The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings. Taking it back. We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! <laughs> there was a fake Pixar movie somebody somebody did up uh, that was called Wallace. Oh, no. Yeah. It was a, it was a good looking, sh- uh, um, you know, um, uh, video? video? No, it wasn't a video. It was just a. It was just an image in Pixar style. Oh, but gotcha, it, it gotcha. but it looked like a Pixar poster. And uh, funny enough, my brother sent it to me. It was like, "Yo," I'm like, "This, it's not real." <laughs> that would be cool, though. It would. It really would. I was like, I kind of wish it was, but it wasn't. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. If it happens to come real, I would love that. But this is Pixar. So, anywho, um, you could find this here podcast on the coast of the podcast network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. And you can find this uh, here podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever, all of that. Um, Spotify and the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and leave us five-star positive <clears throat> reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And normally you can find this recording every, every Thursday night, 9.30-ish uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's YouTube.com slash The Click Nation and Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, and make sure to hit the notification button so that you know when we are online recording and broadcasting live. Breath control. Um... So yeah, folks, we are coming in on a Sunday night because, of course, it's a, it is another ver- uh, episode of Movie Protocol, which at this point, this might be the last kind of officialish one for a minute. Yeah, for a little while, maybe for for maybe for several weeks. Right. Um. But like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll as always we will let you know. Um. With that, we are well. I am just going to step to the side and let um, Agent 70 regale you with his spoiler-free impressions of Too Fast, Too Criminal, a.k.a. The Flash. Oh, no! (laughs) So I had the... It's hard to call it the honor, 
right? But I did the, I, you know, I did the thing, folks. I bit the bullet. I went to see the Flash movie this past Thursday night on opening night, and it was memorable for a few reasons. Memorable for a few reasons. So I'll lead off with what made it memorable for me in the sense that, you know, we get to see the finale of essentially the Snyderverse, the DCEU. This is the finale. Now, what kind of finale it is, it's up for interpretation. I can tell you that I did not have the most positive time watching this movie. It was at times grating. It was at times frustrating. It was at times confusing. There are multiple factors that led to that. One of them, chief among them, is the performance of the lead actor, namely Ezra Miller. Now, Ezra Miller is... I don't know if Ezra Miller is leading actor material. That's just my two cents. I don't think Ezra Miller has graduated to that level yet. Some actors never graduate to that level. Some are almost always, some, some almost remain in supporting roles because they just can't lead, They just can't carry a movie as part of, as the lead in the lead role. I don't know if Ezra Miller will ever be a lead actor. I don't think the material really helped, to be honest. I think that this version of The Flash, and I guess what they've been trying to make The Flash ever since the 90s Flash went away, because that was an adult Barry Allen. After that, we've always gotten a younger kind of... Young, uh, a younger, more wet behind the ears Barry Allen, kind of a more Peter Parker esque Barry Allen, as opposed to the Barry Allen that we got used to reading about in DC Comics. So I see where they're going, but Ezra Miller, it was very hit and miss. I don't think he can really, he could really pull it off. There are elements there. There are elements there that he, you know, there are times when uh, it does work. But far more often than not, to me, it did not work. So it proved to be a very frustrating watch. It got to a point where the movie just became a big batch of, you know, fan service. Because this is, the, their, this is their last hurrah in the Snyderverse. And you may have heard some rumors about some cameo appearances, and most of those rumors are probably true. You know, I can pro- I won't confirm them now because this movie just came out. But if you've heard it, it's most likely true. Uh, you know, it just felt like a big. You know, it, it just felt like they just threw it in at the end, just to just to, like I said, serve the fans. You know, throw out some Easter eggs that are easy to spot. It's not the same. It's not as fun as Spider-Verse is even No Way Home. You know, some of the Easter eggs they throw in in that, kind, you know, in that movie. Um, it's just not as fun. So, you know, ultimately, it's 
it's a very uneven you know i had a i had a a weird but still kind of entertaining time so you know it's hard to i i I do not recommend this movie i don't think you should run out to watch it i don't even think you should walk out to watch it i think it is more than safe for you to wait until it hits max eventually probably within two months so um i will say though that when i said memorable i did have the pleasure of attending this movie with a you know one of my regular movie buddies uh at boss jones on instagram and if you go on my insta uh at agent underscore 70 you will see the reel that i took of his entrance to the movie theater in the guise of one chain bruce wayne and when you hear that and see the see the reel, you'll understand. So that's what made it memorable for me. So I enjoyed that uh, part of the evening. Um, we both walked out of the movie pretty frustrated with the movie experience overall. So that's pretty much it. Do you have any questions, Roddy Cat? Uh, not uh, at the moment because you answered the ones that were and that would be kind of spoilery beforehand so but i will say as um having seen the video that uh, agent 70 was talking about of his friend rolling up uh rolling up to the spot it's pretty great (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty great one chain bruce wayne gotta love it (laughs) um i will add that both of us I, i i had to confirm with uh with uh uh, at Boss Jones, that he did in fact get his Comic Con tickets, his New York Comic Con ticket, because that came that went on sale this past weekend uh, after uh, Roddy Cat and I recorded last episode. So I did in fact get a four day pass for this upcoming New York Comic Con. So I will attend probably three, if not all four days, you know, here and there, here and there, probably all of Saturday and Sunday. And we'll see how much of Thursday and Friday I attend. But I do have a four-day pass under my belt this this year. So I will be uh, in and around New York Comic Con in the fall. So looking forward to seeing any of our listeners or viewers there. Uh, I know at Matt Wang97 is going to be there because his ticket came as part of my purchase. Oh, shoot. You know what? I just thought about it. We should have had Matt on for this show. But I know... Uh... Why this show? For some news that we'll talk about later. That he, uh, uh, yeah, that he would have some 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 knowledge about. Gotcha, that, gotcha. That gotcha, we had gotcha. already been told about. But uh, gotcha. in Hughes, uh, you're also that's not the only uh, ticket that you're um, going to going to find out to get. Right. Well, I've already got my New York Comic Con ticket. I was just looking at uh, Anime NYC, which happens in November. Uh, New York Comic Con is in October. So Anime NYC is a little further out, but they are, their tickets are on sale now. And uh, the individual days are still available. I guess the three-day pass is already sold out. But I don't think I would need all three days. I think I would be more than okay with a Saturday pass. So I think I'm going to pick that up probably very soon. Just to get that under my belt and say that I'm going at least a day and I'll go probably on the most busy day, which is Saturday. Unless Agent 70 takes his art book and and just happens to see his see some uh, very prime cosplay that, you know, he'll both try to get the number of and get a sketch of. Or at least Instagram so we can DM. (laughs) Because that seems to have worked so far. Yes, indeed. So... 
folks, look out for that uh, in the near future. Also, I guess, well, one, I guess, mm, one, happy Juneteenth. Uh, that has just passed because we would have recorded on Juneteenth to Juneteenth had the the flash not come out, which that's another reason why I wasn't trying to go see the flash anyway, but that's any number of reasons. Uh, but also this weekend was, um, or was, and is, uh, uh, heroes con, which normally I would have gone to, but I, um, but I hadn't made it you know, since COVID. I was like, I'm not trying to go too many places, but I'm thinking I might try to make it back there next year. Cause Sounds kinda, good. Because I kind of miss it, you know. Sounds good. I hadn't really seen too much from it, but I have seen who was uh, a few people was there, you know. Uh, sure. Uh, artists and and uh, writers, writer wise. I'm like, huh, yeah, I missed that spot. I need to go back. But anyway, so we'll uh, hopefully next year uh, around this time it'll happen. Hopefully, I can get the the rest of the, the guys to come down. I know Tim's been once or probably twice. Uh, right. Just gonna, I was about to say, is, is Juneteenth is Juneteenth being observed tomorrow for you? Probably, yeah. Okay, just checking because uh, I you know I I know I have off tomorrow. So right, because it is a uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. so there it might be a banking holiday. I don't know. I don't remember if it's a banking holiday, but I think it is. I think, it and is. Um, uh, you know, you'll see you'll you'll see uh, services slightly off or different tomorrow. Right. But that being said, uh, we can get into the books of the week because we got a lot of books and a lot of news. Uh, some related to what we were just talking about, not Juneteenth, but other stuff. Uh, and we are going to, as I, right. You can tell that we had some time to read this week, folks, because <laughs> we each have a lot of books to go through. So we will try to get through them as quickly as possible, but still hit the high points. Yeah. And luckily most of them that, that can very much happen. I can safely say. All right. First one, we're going to start off with the new number one book of the week of this month, uh, black Panther, number one. Coincidentally timed? Probably not. <laughs> um, and uh, Agent 70 will give the, um, the credits. The, the Black credits. Panther number one is written by Eve L. Ewing with pencils by Chris Allen, inks by Chris Allen and Craig Young, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. So, if you have not been keeping up with Black Panther, this is a continuation of sorts. And a resetting of T'Challa in a brand new status quo. It's not an unfamiliar status quo because, believe it or not, he has gained and lost the throne of Wakanda multiple times in the past. If you have been reading comics as long as we have. Mm-hmm. That's not the unfamiliar part. The unfamiliar part is the setting that we find T'Challa in that E-Viewing has placed him in. It's not New York City but it is a city in Wakanda that has, I'll leave it at this and hand it off to Rodicat, New York City-esque issues. So, yes, I'm glad Agent 70 said that because, yes, while it is a different setting, it is not an unfamiliar, uh, as Agent 70 also said, it was not unfamiliar um, um, for circumstances. Yeah, circumstances being similar, but... uh, the way T'Challa's kind of going about th- things kind of harkens back to another time where he was without his country and the stalking around the city. Uh, so it, it kind of goes in a couple of ways. 
So he's basically taking a street levelish type um, approach to things, even though he's supposed to be in exile. But you know, he's kind of playing fast and loose with that, apparently. But uh, if you have been around a while, you some would remember when he took over for Daredevil, and right. this kind of harkens back to that. But I'm but I'm also saying he's kind of taking, a, as I said in my notes, taking a Spidey type approach to crime fighting. Um. In a place Spidey and Daredevil. Be. Yes. Spidey and Daredevil. Definitely street level. That's really the 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 the, the point that uh, Eve Ewing is trying to get across. That he's doing it very ground level up. Right. So, um, so I guess it's going to make for some relatively interesting story. Because like I said, he's, he's in a unfamiliar place, even though the place is uh, familiar to someone... Uh, that he's uh, related to what was related to, and he's still in a place where he probably shouldn't be, um, kind of on the low. But he's there, and he's uh, kind of stalking people for a reason. Um, and there's a connection there that was almost uh, we were talking about family connections previous to the show, kind of a similar. Not necessarily actual family connection, but kind of family by proxy in a way, right? Uh, th- that uh, T'Challa has has been kind of stalking um, uh, uh, a connection to. So I assume whatever's going to happen with that in the overall story, and the whatever's going to happen with this other new player that that shows up at the end of the book uh, that we don't know too much about. Um, outside of the person we do see shows up at the end of the book that we do know about uh, is going to, you know, uh, play a part in the story. Um, So I know we have kind of criticized Eve Ewing in the past because I know she's kind of on the young side unless she's probably like early 30s, if that, even if that, for some of the tone of the characters. She doesn't do that here, so that's a good thing. Right. And I'm glad for that because it doesn't, you know, I think the setting is part of what and the and, and the characters that are involved, you know, rest, not restrict her, but definitely puts, you know, takes the t- takes that particular vocabulary set out of play. Except <laughs> for when she kind of kind of sidesteps it in a way, because there is a, a reference to. um the temperature in a certain place that she uses uh, a term that would be more familiar to a, a different, uh, a different term for the weather that the folks up North where, uh, where agent uh, 70 is would use and where she's from, which I believe she's from Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, would use in terms of talking about a certain, uh, certain type of weather. She kind of used a similar thing here and I was like, and I caught it right then and there. I was like, okay, I see what you did there. You kind of snuck that in. That was pretty good. So, so she's, so she still does a little bit of that, which is not a, not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I was like, I like how you, I like how she did that. Right. It's, there's the parallel is there, but if she kind of, you know, there's now a, a Wakandan term for it, I guess. So, but that being said, like I said, for a first issue, it is interesting there's enough interesting interest there to see where she's going with it because it's still not entirely clear, 
but we got enough to there to be like, well, we know Sotalo's here. He's with the, you know, he's still with the Avengers. He's still in exile. The, this, that, and the other's going on. But he's here for reasons that we kind of get into, but probably not the whole thing. I don't know. Um, but I just have a couple of, I'm sorry, go ahead, finish up your, I was about to say, he just had some, uh, there's some, apparently some still scraps of things he left behind that are still around. So that may be possibly more to things than we know. Right. As I said earlier, the continuity is there. There's Mm -hmm. definitely continuity between the, um, the uh, the Tanahas Coates run and the most recent run by uh, creator, giving the creator the the writer of the most recent run. You know, I told you <laughs> we, we both blanked. We both blanked. Holy hell! Isn't that terrible? That's we both blanked. Um, we both blanked. Sorry, folks, but the point is, there's been some continuity. Right, that's me. That all you hear that in the background, that is New York City, BK at its finest. You know, sirens passing by. You know, it's it's not that warm, so there's no AC, but there's a fan, and the windows are open here. Uh, you know, in the uh, Agent Underscore Seventy headquarters. Uh, what I wanted to talk about is the costume design of the of this uh, most current and most recent iteration of uh, T'Challa's Black Panther. So. He's got the night hockey claws, and I'm like, wait, did he, did he, did he like rip somebody open just now? When he, pun- you know, like, did he punch anybody? I'm like, no, he just grabbed something. But I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if he needs those. Um, he's had before though, so that's not unusual. What's that? I said he's kind of had those before, so that's not unusual. Not really, not really. That's yeah. at least not in my experience with his costume design. That's been my experience. Like he's had them on his fingertips that he could retract and and extend. Right. These are permanently extended, so that's why I I take some issue with that costume design. Second, the costume design is very busy, so I feel bad for any future artist that takes on this costume. Third, one thing I did appreciate is. The shoulder shield slash kind of adaptation of the uh, vibranium shield that they give to, you know, kind of the gauntlets that they give to Steve Rogers to Captain America in Infinity War. You know, that's kind of what it is because there's a point in the issue where it slides down and he's able to wield it uh, around his forearm as opposed to you know, it being kind of like a shoulder, you know, mounted shield. And I like that, you know, I like that, you know, that, you know, it seemed like that's an adaptation of what they saw in, you know, whoever designed this costume, it's an adaptation of what they saw in infinity war. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, the, the I, I like the costume. I would actually like, wouldn't mind having a figure of it. Um, at this point. And I feel like they also took some notes from past uh, past comic versions uh, in a way because I feel like there's sure. some stuff on here that's like okay or at the very least some variant of I, I will say actually that, that's something I'm right right because it's not the first time we've seen him with uh, something that resembles a cape right right um, it's you know it's definitely not uh, the spear is obviously not uh, new to T'Challa either as I said it's just the costume just a little too busy but I guess, you know, artists are, you know, are, are, uh, 
you know, artists are, are not as cognizant of, uh, of the difficulty in trying to reproduce that from panel to panel anymore. Mm, yeah, sometimes you, you try to go. Maybe there will be someone who complains and redesigns it. Eh, probably. Man, I doubt it. <laughs> oh, you never know. You never know. So anyway. Um, but, oh, so oh well, hold on. Before you say that, I, 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 I just looked up who the last writer was, and I'm kind of embarrassed, but also that kind of shows how. We both forgot. Well, that also shows how you know remar- unremarkable that last run was. It was John Ridley. Oh yeah, and I yeah. still couldn't tell you what happened in that in the run. So again, that kind of you know. Oh, I mean, I remember a little bit. Like, remember the crazy um, uh, uh, what you call it? Um, the caricature characters. Like the Buffalo Soldier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I remember that part. That's but that was like near the end. So yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, but yeah. he did pick up some of the some of the uh, uh, some of the stuff that Coates did with the uh, Wakandan um, Empire. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did pick up some of that stuff. But yeah. you know, as I said, even that stuff, the Wakandan Empire stuff, the intergalactic Wakandan Empire, um, was picked. You know, they, there's reference to it here. In, you know, in, in Eve Ewing's run so far, you know, this first issue, she, you know, uh, T'Challa makes mention of it being right. on the other side of the universe. Right. Which, yeah, that's I, I suspect that's going to be a thing going forward. Like, at the very least, least some mention of it, you know, if not anybody coming back from it or whatever. Right. So there is some continuity between runs here. And that's, you know, and, and obviously, you know, we wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for what happened towards Rid- the end of Ridley's run. Right. Which, yeah, the, the yeah, but overall, if you are a fan of the character, uh, the, and anything we said is of interest to you, you know, check out this issue. Uh, we will definitely be, I well, I will. I can't speak for Agent Seven. We'll be checking out at least the next couple of issues to kind of see where. Because I like Eve Eve Ewing's writing for for some of her past stuff, like Ironheart and whatnot. Uh, uh, wait, I think she did a run of Champions. I might be tripping about that, but maybe not. But anyway, like I said, that's, that's so, so I'm interested to see where she goes with this, especially, like I said, with what was brought up near the end of this issue. Sure. And and like I said, uh, you know, it, it, it's a credit to what's been uh, what's been built upon uh, in the past that there are hints here and and not necessarily retcons, but just additional uh, information and bits of story that have been added on, you know, using characters that are previously established. I was like, oh, okay, so this is, you know, this is a relation to this character. This is a, you know, this uh, this is how this character might be related to this character, and I like that. So I give you in credit for that, and uh, you know, I'll be reading at least the next few issues to see where this goes as well. Gotcha. Moving right along, I believe we said we were going to go in to go to Moon Knight next. Sure. So Moon Knight number 24 is written by Jed McKay with art by Federico Sabatini. Colors are by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters are by VCs Corey Petit. I'm going to let Roddy Cat pick up this issue because pick up the conversation on this issue because I freely admit, openly admit that I have not read several months worth of moon Knight issues so i'm a little bit behind so when i picked up this issue you know we made mention earlier of the fact that we both read a lot because we had some time on our hands 
because of movie protocol. And I, you know, this is my first issue of Moon Knight in many months. And I was kind of confused picking up this issue, trying to figure out where we are and what the status quo is. And I'll let Roddy Cat see if he can't fill in some of my knowledge gap. Take it away. So I'm not sure what was your last issue, but I'm fairly certain it probably won't take you that long to get back on track. Do you remember what you what was the last thing you read or? I mean, I remember, you know, spoiler alert, his, um, uh, 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 I, you know, I remember him, his, his, uh, his Moon Knight brother not dying, dying and not dying. Okay. So we're kind of still in that era in, in which, um, Mark and crew is kind of looking for who's behind. So, cause this book has kind of been going a couple of different places and even the last issue kind of sidetrack to uh a now budding relationship mark now has with a, a a person who's been in the book okay um but none of that is being shown in this well it kind of isn't kind of isn't shown but um so we're still kind of in the the, the still uh, around the fact that mark's looking for somebody because there's like a this whole vampire new vampire nation this dude's trying to um start up and then maybe related and on the or other side of that somebody's uh using like sound to control people like there was a couple of issues of that some of this might be related um uh but again like the the, the book has kind of been going back and forth between a couple of different things um his protege, um, whose name is Escaping Reap right now, is getting trained by Blade, uh, but still in the book. Who, you know, because she got turned into a vampire, so she's uh, you know learning to defend herself. Um, but for the most part, everything's kind of been Mark. His Mark and crew has been on the trail of whoever this person is behind what's going on, you know, in the city uh with you know with the vampires and this whole whatever mind control thing uh, situation which may be related um in this particular issue seems like a departure uh from all of that but it is in service of one getting to the next issue which is a big anniversary issue for uh for moon knight uh, which we do know that um, is coming. I can't remember how many issues, but um, but uh, we know it's coming. And we do know that the next issue is going to be a big double-sized issue because of that, uh, possibly bringing Mark closer, uh, as this um, particular issue kind of intimates that we're getting closer to him finding out at the very least who is behind things because we do, we possibly get, uh, that near the end of this and uh, I didn't have a chance to look this up to see who in Mark's uh, rogues gallery if, if you know if this is someone of particular note but apparently according yeah. to this but according to according to this is like yeah this is somebody that Mark's been kind of looking after looking for for a good long while whether it has anything to do with the overall story or just in general in his life right it's a long-standing uh, Moon Knight villain that I had to actually Google. Okay, yeah, so I didn't get a chance to do it because I meant to do that. So, but as I say in my notes, it was all a dream, and that's all of that just kind of leads into because we also get another person, uh, I, I guess a lesser known villain, 
a lesser known adversary of his kind of uh, doing things in this book to get to that point. Uh, and when they said the name of the little lesser known person, I thought, wait, what does the Matrix have to do with this? But also I thought, wait, isn't he a Spider-Man villain? But apparently it, it is it is not that person. So I guess there was somebody else named <laughs> with a similar name running around and antagonizing Moon Knight. Go figure. But regardless, everything I just said so kind of still stands. So next issue, we will probably either see, we won't necessarily see a big showdown, but we will definitely probably see a, a little more headway. And we actually, we probably not because it's an anniversary issue. We'll probably get like little nuggets of getting to where the overall story is going to, is getting to, but ultimately kind of him dealing with whoever this person is that I didn't look up, uh, that I won't spoil. Otherwise, that pretty decent read, you know. Um, but the the way this book has been going back and forth, and the, the fact that it kind of comes out monthly, I can understand why Agent Seventy is a little. Even if he had been keeping up, like I was telling him before the show, like yeah, I've been keeping up with it, and it's still kind of, you know, kind of a little lost. Hard, I got yeah, kind of hard to kind of keep track of stuff because it kind of just kind of keeps going to a couple of different places here. Understood. So, but yeah, there is that. Um, next up, we are said we're going to go to the strange doctor, aka Doctor Strange number four. Um, there we go. Ready? Hmm? All right. Doctor Strange number four is written by Jed McKay with art by Andy McDonald, colors by KJ Diaz, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. So this is a bit of an interlude issue where we follow up on the current adventures of Wand, wizardry, uh, uh, alchemy. Uh, what does the N stand for? I don't know, but you you were doing better than I was. So <laughs> think about what the hell the thing stands for. I just remember I just remember reading the the acronym. I was like, oh okay, you know, um, you know what? I'll, I'll pull it up because it's right up front. Wizardry, alchemy, necromancy department. Of course. Necromancy. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, a, a fun little investigation that the agents of Wand are on. You know, obviously led by Wong and some of the other characters that had been established in the last run of, uh, last volume of Doctor Strange, or Death of Doctor Strange, or, or Strange, that is, with Clea as the yeah. lead character. Right. And... Uh, they even do their best to establish Wong as a great uh, field commander. They uh, put uh, – it's hard to tell which Ghost Rider this is because of the, the way they draw him. It looks like the Danny Ketch uh, Ghost Rider, but I think it's supposed to be Johnny Blaze just, because, think... of the go- the, just because of the motorcycle design. Right. right. I was, that's what I was thinking also. You know, it's like really the, you know, like, uh, like I've been reading the Ghost Rider book and there's really only one Ghost Rider, active Ghost Rider running around. So it's kind of weird that they would, that uh, the artist would put this particular design in, in place in this right. issue. And Ketch so. got a, and Ketch pretty much has a new, new look, look identity right. and look, yeah, and look. So I, unless they did something with that recently, right. but. Right. So, you know, I mean, that's just a, that's, that's an artist, that's artists, uh, that's an artist's depiction, you know. That's an artist's uh, choice. That's an artistic choice, right here. So I think it's supposed to be Blaze. But anyway, with any, with you know, in any event, 
Um, there is a teaser at the end of this issue, a cliffhanger, as it were, that may circle back all the way to the lead two characters of this book. Normally, Doctor Strange and Clea, his wife. Yeah, I would argue it's not even a may. It definitely will. Because they've kind of been te- teasing that around with this whole Wong and Wand uh, situation uh, since a thing happened a few issues ago. Well, actually, what? First issue. At the end of the first issue, I think it was. So it was only a matter of time to where they get, when they get back to it. Um, but I kind of enjoyed this book for, for what reason. And that one reason, well, for a couple of different reasons. One is Jed McKay writing. And, you know, it, it was a kind of fun kind of was like, yeah, hey, look at them trying to clean up the messes and this and that other and about to go on a recruitment drive. Cause it's just the three of them. But also they got to a part where they were dealing with a, um, with a, a crew of uh ghosts. <laughs> and then one of them was like, Oh, Oh, that's you. <laughs> My bad. Uh, <laughs> I know it was you. <laughs> like Wong got repping the streets. Wong got yeah. repping the streets, and it was and it was cool. I'm like, oh, you're that Wong. I'm like, oh, my bad. <laughs> I'll tell you right. everything you want. Right. right. <laughs> all being all being spoken in Cantonese. Exactly. You know, because it is Hong Kong, so you know right. they're all speaking to each other in Cantonese. So I thought that was funny. Right. And actually, and spike bats as a spike bats as a magical uh, item should be in D and D. If it's not already, just saying. It's not the first. That's not the first uh, uh, instance of spiked bats, but I like that. You know, there's right. another issue, another comic uh, this month that has a spiked bat in it, or at least a magical charged bat. Of course, bang! But anyway, yeah, um, uh, Doctor Random Four was pretty cool. Um, well, you know, but as usual, just like that, Jed McCray is usually has some interesting stuff in his books, so it's, it's sure. no surprise, including the aforementioned Moon Knight, actually. Um, and like with that, we are going to go into... Not into, excuse me. We're going to go with... Actually, we're going to take a trip to the Spider-Verse, in a way, with Amazing Spider-Man number 27. That's right. So, Amazing Spider-Man number 27 is written by Zeb Wells with pencils by Ed McGinnis. Inks by Mark Farmer, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, who's also pretty busy this week. VC is Joe Caramagna. So, uh, fresh off of the dramatic, traumatic, and uh, deadly events of the previous issue, we jump right into the aftermath of how all of these, how, how the how that event affects the basically main characters in the amazing spider-man book namely peter parker felicia hardy and norman osborne and that's who we focus on in this issue we do though again in a in a nod to continuity get so get an update on a longtime spider villain and some of his rogue technology that rogue technology has played a role in Amazing Spider-Man for several years now, and it's interesting that that piece of rogue technology continues to take a licking and keep on ticking. Well, specifically, fairly recently uh, in its in this current state, because yes, usually attached to someone, but not, but now not, because as I say in my notes, that 900 uh, issue Spider-Man issue, Amazing Spider-Man issue, was kind of weird, and that just brought that all the way back up again 
Yep. Uh, with that. Also, um, Doc, I'm just going to go this kind of spoilers, but I, Doc, I kind of gets an upgrade that's almost uh, into the Spider Verse uh, paralleled. I'm just going to. I don't say. remember that, but I guess I'm going to have to go. I haven't watched that movie in a while. So it's not a one to one. Like, once you. Let's put it this way. Once it gets past the. When he starts explaining it, that's where it kind of differs. But okay. when you first see it, when the, you know, that first page, when you see him talking about it, that's what kind of put me in the mind of it because of the way it looked. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, um, it's weird. It's weird that the design does not have the little graspy thingies at the end. Right. Right. The pincers, the uh, the claws at the end. But it does look very much like an octopus's arm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we will. Um, we will see, especially with the news that. Well, well, actually, that has nothing to do with what's going on with this because we know that's a that's a Spider Verse uh, thing going on. Uh, that superior superior uh, Spider Man is kind of coming back into play, um, right? Soonish, but that, again, that's that is not this version of Ock. So, but uh, there is that. There was a oh yeah. So yeah, like Agent Seventy said, the, the the this whole thing kind of was like the aftermath. And Peter actually, you come find out that Peter and Norman weirdly similar with this issue. Like it was kind of already there because they're both kind of have putting the burden on themselves for different for well for the same and slightly different reasons. Right. You know, because you know Norman with his goblin past past plus what happened last issue. Uh, and plus what happened in his other, uh, in that, um, that, uh, side book, that Golden Goblin, Gold Goblin book that ended a while back. Or not even a while back. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. So whatever happened at the end of that kind of comes back into play and kind of bears on him. And then, of course, Peter being Peter. <laughs> so, um, but it was that weird moment that they had with each other. It was like, wow, they were weirdly similar. Um, right. They're weirdly on the same page, or they got to that same page in different paths. Right. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not used to this because, like, you know, Norman Osborn historically, you know, nowhere near this. So right, and that's the point. Right, right. that's the point. Is that for whatever reason, Wells and 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 the Spider editorial office seems to have this thing about possibly redeeming uh, uh, Norman, but we all know that's not going to last. At least, at least that's my opinion on it. You know, it's it's the same thing with Ock, is that they 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 tried to redeem Ock, and eventually he kind of went back to his ways. And I'm wondering if maybe this is a you know the the, the this current uh, featuring of Ock is what's going to lead him to back to uh, uh, Superior. You know, maybe something that happens in in upcoming stories lead to him reverting back to or at least going back in the direction of superior right i don't yeah so that's the thing or maybe they're probably just gonna go so like no that 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 spider-verse variant just kind of broke off and then you know he's the original arc is still kind of here or it's mm-hmm. not even the original arc technically right we still yeah we still have to see how that develops you know there's still some right. time before that comes about so um that being said and we come to find out speaking of things that uh won't won't stay down and uh bearing on people uh um a said thing from that golden glider golden goblin book is kind of still around and from 
previous volumes of Amazing Spider-Man is kind of still around in uh, in some ways. And just won't go away. Mm-hmm. Just won't stay down. That is obvious and clear in this issue. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of things to unpack here. I'm still not happy with Wells with what happened last issue. That's not going to go away. No, anytime soon. no one is. No one is. Um, we just know, you know, and, and, and not to beat a beat, you know, beat the story into the ground, but we both know why. Yes. So yeah, exactly. That's why we're not even going, uh, going back through that, but yeah, we know why. And just like, hopefully a matter of time where that kind of bears out, but still, still not good. Right. Um, do you want to hit Spider-Man it? India real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, real quick that, um, you know, Black Hat tries to cheer up Spidey, but it was way too soon. And just, <laughs> this is Peter we're talking about. That was a nice try, but you know, you should have known better. Yeah, I was about to say, this is, you know, uh, uh, if there is a guilt-ridden uh, hero in the Marvel Universe, it is one Peter Benjamin Parker. Yep, yep. All right, Spider-Man India. Spider-Man India, number one of four. It's written by Nikesh Shukla with pencils by Abhishek Malsuni, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Nirja Menon, and letters by, again, our favorite lettering Paisan VC's Joe Caramagna. So this was an interesting uh, book to read because it's obviously time to coincide with uh, closely to the release of Across the Spider-Verse. And so we get to see the 616 version of uh, Pavita Prabhakar, Spider-Man India. And interestingly, what we see is the character interact with not one, but both 616 Spider-Man. And uh, some uh, hijinks ensue because he, uh, you know, kind of uses that uh, interaction with uh Peter and Miles as a springboard into his own adventures and his own version of a longtime Spider-Man villain. Take it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also find out just because of his interactions with uh, with Peter and Miles that, like Peter, he has some bad jokes, <laughs> some good bad jokes, but also has the pretty much the same guilt. That is, it is clearly it's a Spider thing. The whole uh, guilt of responsibility thing and the whole why am I doing this thing kind of comes into play, which is the, going to be the crux of this uh, story. It, as Agent said, was leading to um, a classic, well, a, a variant version of a classic Spider-Man villain in his universe, which he goes, gets, which he gets back to during the course of this. Right. Interestingly, and I, and I leave this as a little bit of food for thought. It's kind of rhetorical. Hmm. Interestingly. We understand why Spider-Verse Peter, Spider-Verse Miles, and a lot of these other Into the Spider-Verse versions of the characters seem to carry the weight of the world on their shoulders. Because guess what? They are the pretty much one of the only super people in their universe, Right. They're not the 616, the classic 616, Peter, because even though he carries the weight of the world on his shoulders, he knows there are other heroes. They're just not established in the other Spider-Verses yet. So it's interesting to see how, uh, you know, that, that that's something to keep in mind, you know, as a reader of the regular 616 comic book uh, versions, both 
Peter and Miles, yeah, you know, they have their own little universes of responsibility and life and, and the weight of the world on their shoulders that they carry in each. But when it comes to the bigger picture things, yes, there is, in fact, a Captain Marvel flying through the air, you know, that can swoop in every once in a while, depending on the needs of the story. You know, so, you know, we don't know if Pavita Prabhakar has any other, you know, super powered people on his side. And, you know, same thing with all the other spider people. Right. But this could be a springboard to bearing that out. Because, I mean, it happened with Gwen, so I can't see why it couldn't happen with, uh, with Pav. Right. It's just a matter of, deve- you know, it's just a matter of, like, where they are in their character and story development. You know, it's just it that that's one interesting thing to keep in mind. You know, if you're if you're like us or anything close to where we are in terms of how long you've been reading and how much you read, it's always something. You know, it does take a little bit of effort to take a step back and say, "Oh, this is not the setting that we're re- you know that we're used to. It's a little different." You know, there aren't right. as many heroes running around in some of these realities, right? So, I and I, there was a curious thing, which is uh, outside of what what Agent Seven just said, because there was a um, during the whole the the three spider interaction, Miss Marvel got brought up. Speaking of, and it kind of made me wonder when this is taking place. We know it's mm-hmm. after, you know, um, uh, Dan Slott's Spider Verse arc, right? But in relation to um, Amazing, I, I'm kind of wondering. Right, it's got to be right before. That's what I was thinking. Gotta all be right before. There's another issue uh, this week that uh, that made me think about that, but I'll get to that. Okay. Well, we can push on from there then. Uh, which I believe that's it for all that we have in common. So we can spin it up. Alrighty. Going into rapid fire review, folks. I ain't got time to breathe. All right, first up for me is Green Lantern number two. The first story is written by Jeremy Adams with art by Hermonico, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letters by Dave Sharp. The second story is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Montos, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Dave Sharp. Both of these stories are obviously uh, still in the early stages of setting the current status quo of the respective Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. The first story uh, continues to put Hal Jordan into a pseudo-maverick role with uh, Carol Ferris as kind of the Jennifer Connelly role. But, you know, obviously these two characters have a long-standing history, and now they are, you know, resetting their current status quo. We're still kind of working our way into that. And the new... Uh, uh, I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know where they're going with this because the cliffhanger at the end of the issue seems to indicate either a one shot or a limited series coming up that, that that's going to deal with it. So I was very confused by that. I don't, I don't have a, I didn't have a chance to look at the solicitations to see what that meant, but I was very confused by that. The backup story is a little bit more straightforward, but it's still a little on the confusing side because there seems to be a little bit of a, time gap between what we've been reading and what's going on in like another side story or at least a 
another uh, uh, reality even. Um, you know, it involves Jon Stewart and a different group of lanterns. I, I, you know, I'm still kind of lost on that one. So I'm willing to give this a few more issues to see what's going on because there are two read, uh, there are two writers, there are two separate stories going on. So um, I'm kind of curious to read them and see if they intersect or plan on intersecting at any point. Next up is Captain America: Cold War Omega Number One. It's written by Jackson Lansing with Colin Kelly and Tochi Onyebuchi. Art is by Carlos Magno. Colors are by Guru EFX. And letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. Excuse me. <clears throat> so. It all came to pass. Not exactly as how I said it would. But what happened w- did come to pass. That being, Steve Rogers has basically been written off earth literally for at least a little while until his new series starts up in the fall giving sam wilson time to uh act solely uh, in the guise of captain america in the role of captain america for a little while and that's essentially where we are here um we don't really know what to make of the um the plot, essentially, that Bucky decides to try to pull off. There's a lot of exposition that helps us see the bigger picture. But ultimately, it still seems very much uh, you know, just a reason to take Steve Rogers off the board to me. Next up, Captain Marvel number 50. Is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Javier Pina and David Lopez. Colors are by Yen Nitro. Um, that's a typo by me in the sheet. And letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is a surprise candidate for Click of the Week for me. Um, it's not a surprise in that Captain Marvel has been pretty good for a long time under the uh, uh, under the guidance of Kelly Thompson. But what I liked about this issue is that it brought together a lot of, of a lot of the themes that Kelly Thompson had been exploring uh, uh, around Captain Marvel, aka Carol Danvers's um, character development over the course of her reintroduction to the Marvel universe, especially with uh, her taking a more prominent role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've really decided to explore a lot of her characters and why she does what she does and why she acts the way she acts and really dive into a lot of that stuff that had always been touched upon when she was simply a supporting character. But now that she, you know, has the wherewithal to support a long running solo title for 50 issues, you know, they gave Kelly Thompson some time and some space to explore that stuff. And I really liked it. It it, it came out really well. So this is definitely a candidate for click of the week for me. Next up is Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones number four of five. It's written by Emily Kim with pencils by Kei Zama, inks by Oren Jr., colors by Triona Farrell, and letters by VC's Ariana Mar. I like this issue. There's a lot of talky talk, though. It's a lot. There's a lot of exposition that explains why the villain is doing what they're doing. But 
interestingly, it all makes some sense because it all circles back. It circles back to the beginning of this miniseries. And if you go back to the first issue, which I did not do, but I vaguely remembered seeing, you know, this ha- all this stuff happen, it does circle back and it does, in, a, in, in fact, tell kind of a, a, a complete story in four issues. And now we're about to get a fifth issue in the miniseries. So, uh, interestingly, uh, you don't necessarily need to have read anything before this to understand what's going on. But uh, obviously, if you're a fan of Gwen... Um, I think this is a pretty fun read. So if you're a fan of the character, you should pick this up and uh, pick up this miniseries and take a look. I saw some Next news. Up. I saw some news about a possible. I can't know if it has anything to do with this book, but a possible another Gwen floating around that may be uh, floating uh, that may have something to do with uh, the X corner. So I don't know if that was this issue or if that's something that's uh, going to come out. No, actually, I think if that was an Infinity comic, but uh, so never mind. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, interrupt. Uh, you, you interrupted think, making me think, like, did I miss something? No, no, no. Because I, I was thinking about it because it was, it was an article that I read about it. I forgot to put it in the book, but I wasn't sure if it was from this. And now I just remember what, where, where it's from. And it's from an right. Infinity comic. I love it because I'm like, wait, what did I miss in this book? I read this this afternoon. <laughs> You know, right. So, I'm like, what? <laughs> All right. Um, next up is Wolverine number 34. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Juan Jose Rip. Colors by Frank Darmada and letters by VCs Corey Petit. This issue continues with the not so dark, but still dark beast portrayal. It's beast versus Wolverine. And it's just weird seeing, you know, like, are we out of Wolverine villains that we had to turn Beast into one? That's kind of where I am at this point. But listen, I get, you know, like all of these heroes, you know, end up being heroes long enough to become the villain. Right. Right. Just like in Batman, uh, uh, Batman. uh, 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 No, what was the second Batman? The Nolan Batman. Oh, um, Dark Knight. Dark Knight, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. I'm like the second one with Two-Face. Nah, um, you're not an idiot. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of shit, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, like, you know, you know, you know you're know, you the hero long enough to become the villain. You know, you, you stay alive long enough to become the villain. That's kind of what we have here. It's kind of a tough read, but it's always interesting to see Wolverine up against someone who is supposed to be like 50 times smarter than he is, but they always end up making a mistake that helps, you know, that gives Wolverine uh, an inside track on winning. We'll see how that plays out in the next issue. Last but not least is X-Men red number 12. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Jacopo Camagni colors by Federico Blee and letters by VCs Ariana Mar. This issue is the resumption of uh, Rocco's stuff. You know, the last issue had some of it, and this is some more. This is hardcore Rocco stuff, though, because this takes us all the way back to Ten of Swords stuff. And now we have the return of some uh, Ten of Swords uh, things. And so it was a little tough on the memory here to remember who some of these characters were and what happened in Ten of Swords. So uh, a little bit of a, of a refresher on Ten of Swords might help, 
but we're also probably about to see the reappearance of Apocalypse in the pages of X-Men Red. And that's it for me. Yeah, it was bound to happen at some point. Yep. And also, yeah, the whole beast thing, I, I'm still... I, I saw, I think, uh, William Bruce West talking about that on, on, on Twitter. <laughs> talking about, yeah, people are people are uh, mad about Miss Marvel, but he's been... <laughs> He's been mad about Beast for like like ten years or something. I'm like, nah, yep. you ain't the only one, Chief. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All right, for myself, we start off with a brand new number one that's um has gotten a lot of buzz, and probably because of the reason why it's gotten a lot of buzz is why we're the main reason why we'll be be talking this book. And I hate to say that talking about this book, but it's kind of there void rivals number one this is written by robert kirkman yes of walking dead and invincible fame uh with arts by lorenzo de um de felici colors by matthias matthias uh, lopez uh letters by russ wooten and that is that so i'm just going to say Enemy Mine, or possibly that uh, episode of uh, Star Trek Next Generation with Picard and uh, the alien, aka Darmok, because I'm sure some of y'all out there know that. A little bit of that on this, into this, uh, or those on this, with with some things. Now, the reason why we're, as much as I hate to say it, like I said, like I just said, I don't know if we would be talking about. I don't know if I would be talking about this book if the if what the overall news about this book um and what it is uh starting up uh was as much of a thing and if this was the type of type of thing that was like okay somebody happens to read this book and find out wait this is a thing now because of what's going on in this book that would be a big thing but again if you did not know that was a that was going on and i'm kind of dancing around it because we got some news uh on it later on in the show but um if you did not know about this you would not i some people unless you're just a fan of kirkman and, and want to see what he's getting up to probably wouldn't pick this up like like me um and the main reason why i picked up this book uh was because of the 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 let's just say the universal implications of what yeah the, the potential tie-in yeah that's not even a potential <laughs> it's not I mean, even a potential you know, like Without yeah, even yeah. opening it, there's a potential time. You know what I mean? Like that's right. why you picked it up. So that being said, the 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 story in itself, uh, like I said, Enemy Mind. If you're old enough to know that book, there's like two opposing um, factions that end up getting, or well, pilots from two different factions kind of get stranded on this one planetoid, um, and they have to find, they have to kind of work together. And uh, somewhere in there is where the whole, hey, we're starting up this whole other universal tie-in thing kind of happens. And then that just kind of leaves and just leaves the story to continue the way it is. Um, which, like I said, I kind of had to see how they were going to do it. And, you know, if, I guess if you're going to sell a book, that's kind of a way to do it. It was like, hey, we got this thing that's going to start this whole other thing in this book that, you know, has nothing to do with what's being started up. So it's interesting in the way that let's say say that the the tie-in happens with what universe the tie that gets tied in happens with, or at least one of the other one of the universes that gets tied into this 
seems natural enough for this setting because they're out in space and yada 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 like i said i'm trying trying to dance around this a little bit now there's another part of this we'll, we'll talk about later on i don't know how where that's going to come in and i don't see didn't see anything uh in this book that would suggest unless maybe something i just didn't read i read this a couple of days ago but i was like i don't see anything that would tie this to this other thing that being said like I said, if you're a fan of kirkman you might be interested if you're interested in the fact that he's uh launching a book that is starting up a new uh, shared universe from with two very quite known properties franchises that is owned by one big um, company. You might want to give this a shot also, if you are a fan of those two um, things. And again, we will talk about this later on in the news. Like I, said, I will probably be sticking around a couple more issues to kind of see what else gets tied in. And I think that's going to be the draw for me. Like the story in itself seems all right because they find out, the, the two main characters, well, the two characters that we meet in this thing kind of find out that they have some common ground, which again, that's kind of what this this kind of story kind of happens to have in it if you've seen this type of story in the past. Now, where, where Kirkman goes from there with this, don't know. But where it's tying in, that's going to be the bigger draw, personally. Uh, if this so happens to be a bigger book, I mean, a bigger, you know, a book, with with the story in itself, cool. I I would be happy for that because if they because on the surface it kind of seems like well you just did all that to do this, you know, and to sell this book, which I'm I'm kind of not mad at, but at the same time like well if that's all it is is kind of not leaving much to the story. Anyway, moving right along because I could talk about that for a while and we don't have that kind of time. Uh, Star Wars Sana Staros, uh, number five of five this is the last book folks uh written by justina ireland art by perry perez color artist uh proto bunkers uh don't know that's a typo for my part don't know sanchez almara <clears throat> excuse me uh and first Suentes suju sujo you made you made him a member of you too huh <laughs> i know right <laughs> the red red wine came on earlier that's the sad part about it <laughs> <laughs> no wait a second i said you too what are you talking about red, red yeah it did it did a cover red, of red, red red wine yeah. did they do a cover of red they red did. wine yeah dear it, god <laughs> it actually was a big hit for them actually uh anywho uh let us by vc's travis lanham so um you know it's family Sinosaurus, this whole story has been about family and them. That's UB40. Yes, you're right, actually. Um, (laughs) I'm like, when did you two do red, red wine? I was like, yo. But no, hang on, because then that was a typo. Or I'm thinking of a maybe I'm thinking of a different because uh, you know it doesn't matter I'll sort that out. I'm sorry, out we took that all off the rails, folks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because um, Red Wine uh, did come on earlier though. That that is that part so is funny. absolutely true. So funny. Anyway, Star Wars, yeah. Son of Star Wars number five. Son of Star Wars number five. We'll yeah we'll settle that in my brain later on. Um, so yeah, new Star Wars is, um have come into play because the, so part of the family's been taken. Uh, by the Empire for reasons, uh, but it was all kind of part of a plan. Well, partially part of a plan, but partially not part of a plan. And that plan, while hitting some snags uh, here and there, 
kind of gets ended in this thing to what end we're not entirely sure but we i do know that this book ends with um a possible continuation of a story it it pretty much ends but they they kind of leave something that will that could possibly get brought back in maybe either another son of star wars book or another star wars book properly but since this is kind of surrounding sana and her family i think they'd probably be served in that capacity um but it was a fun book like so some shenanigans happened with the with the story um i'm not going to give too much of of it away um but there's definitely some references there that you would know such as the hyperdrive motivator uh and i just found out it took this long to find out where the story has actually been being placed and it is sometime right after a certain part of um, Empire Strikes Back, if people are keeping track of it. I mean, it's not, not Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, no, no, Empire Strikes Back, that's right. Um, a certain part of Empire Strikes Back is when this story takes place. Uh, and that would be the Cloud City Escape part. So, you know, that is something. Like, there's, there's a couple of references in here. Um and some other things, but it's been a pretty fun read. This whole, uh, I think it would probably read possibly better in trade. But you know, if you know of the character of Sana Staros, like, uh, and uh, are a fan of her, uh, like I am, I think you'll you'll appreciate this. Uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number thirty-five. There is actually a kind of a tie uh, in with. Sana Staros, not directly or indirectly, but because of the fact that uh, one uh, Dr. Afra shows uh, back up in the pages of Darth uh, Vader. Um, but uh, this book was written, written by Greg Pak, with art by Rafaela uh, Ayenko, colors by Federico Bli, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So, yeah, uh, at a certain point, um, Vader and Afra parted ways. And not on, not necessarily, I wouldn't say the best of terms, but let's say being Afro being who she is, which is kind of an Indiana Jones just type, um, kind of got away from Vader and he's not forgotten that. So she's uh, kind of thinking, well, all this time, and she's kind of skirted running into him a couple of different times uh, before this. But what she thought was the case is not the case in the fact that she thought Vader was going to kill her. But in fact, because of recent going on with uh, his uh, force powers going all wonky and being amped up, he needs her help. Um, and so they set off to kind of do that with, um, with another character. Now, I'm not sure I was still having trouble finding out, figuring out when this stuff that caused all this happened, but apparently it might be from something from Hidden Empire, which I did not read. So I'll probably have to go back and check that miniseries off or not. But nevertheless, um, the end result is that now Vader is a D&D character in a way and uh, just in time for some folks to kind of run in so he can test it out to his new, uh, his new stats. So, uh, next up, Star Trek The Motion Picture... Echoes number two of, I'm not entirely sure, I think it's five, but uh, I have to go back and check. Written by Mark Guggenheim, with art by Oleg Chudikov, colors by DC Alonzo, and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. Uh, 
So this, uh, as the name implies, is uh, is set in the uh, in the time frame of the motion picture, aka the first Star Trek picture, uh, motion picture movie thing. Uh, so we have some parallel universal shenanigans with um, two different versions of Hura and uh, Chekhov in play. Um, in fact, one the the ver- the 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 parallel version of Uhura is hunting, trying to hunt down the parallel version of Chekhov, who um, has been noted multiple times is very different from the from the the one in this universe. Uh, but they find themselves on the edge of Romulan space, and of course, Kirk uh, and where the uh, the fugitive has um, ran off to. And of course, one Jim Kirk, being the man that he is, has a plan that is parts predictable uh, or part dealing with predictability and the Enterprise's uh, cruise luck. So by the end of this issue kind of goes the way you would kind of expect the, uh, to happen uh, in the situation uh, dealing with these dealing with this crew. It was kind of fun. I, I've been enjoying it, though. Uh, Star Trek number nine, which is the, uh, the, the current ongoing book, uh, as I find the cover here, my apologies. I'll just go with that one for the time being, uh, written by Colin Kelly and Jessica Jackson Lansing, former guests of the show, pencils by Mike Feehan, um, inks by Manuel Bracci. And letters by, excuse me, colors Lee Luffridge and letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, doing a little side, side business. So, um, Cisco's still on trial. The, the crew's kind of dealing with uh, trying to find a Bajoran orb and they run afoul of the Red Path. This is still um, leading up to that Day of Blood uh, event that is starting next month. So clearly at some point, you know, Cisco's going to get out of his situation. But in true Star Trek fashion, though, he's got to get away, get out of this, um, get out of the end of this issue, which ends in true, a true Star Trek fashion that I won't give away. Um, but you can see that happens at the end of this book being a cliffhanger. <laughs> they can't go cliffhanger. Maybe not necessarily end of season cliffhanger, but, you know, a two parter. Uh, cliffhanger uh, at the very least but uh some good stuff going on here uh let's see static team up a nazi one sh- number one one shot is next on the menu and it's written by evan narcisse penciled by charles Stewart the third uh inks by um jose marzen jr and colors by luis guerrero Galping. So, um, the, the, um, this is a milestone book, you know, DC milestone book. Um, I do not know too much about the character of a Nazi, but apparently from what I saw in the flavor text, this is, um, a character from the animated series, but, and I, I, while I have watched the animated series, I, um, I don't, I don't think I remember getting too far into it. So this was apparently a, uh, according to what I read, a fan favorite from that series. Uh, and if a Nazi means anything to you, which is a, um, a spider godlike um, creature, sometimes um, come across as a spider. 
I believe Vixen gets her totals, her her powers from Anansi, but I don't think it has anything to do with this character. Nevertheless, Static Shock and this Anansi character team up uh, to take down some folks that were um, kidnapping and using bang babies. And this story is actually um, takes place in between seasons one and two of Static. So there is that. And also, coincidentally, um, there's a uh, as I say in my notes, is a Juneteenth coinciding story given some, uh, some of the things that get talked about uh, in the beginning of the story. Overall, a pretty good read. Um, I've I enjoyed it. Uh, I was thinking this is going to be like a, hey, he's teaming up with other members of the, you know, m- other folks from either his universe and or, you know, or Milestone, but apparently this is just a one shot for that just happened to come through. So, which I'm not mad at. If you like uh, Static, the character, and been keeping up with uh, the book, or not, you know, let me check this out. Um, And I believe I have one more book. No, I got two more books. I'm sorry. I don't know why I didn't put that one in there. Uh, Magic the Gathering, Planeswalkers, Noble, number one. Uh, Come on. Where are you? I'm going to have to find a different way to do this stuff. Uh, but it's, uh, there's two stories here, and they both are surrounding kind of one thing that I'll get into in a second. But the first story is written by Dan Warren and Dave Repose, um, art by Leah Caballero, color artist Raul Angulo. The second story is written by Stephanie Williams with art by Alberto Locatelli, color artist Ariana Consani, and all of the book is lettered by Ed Dukeshire. So... Uh, like I said, we got two stories dealing with a couple of different planeswalkers uh, from the Magic the Gathering universe. The first story is, um, um, uh, let's just say, a couple of uh, Raul and uh, another planeswalker go tomb raiding. In uh, the second book is where two characters who already have a relationship um, try to have a nice day off. Both have uh, the the overarching theme of love being at the center of it, um, uh, of the stories that kind of infer, I guess, uh, you know, the, the, uh, both stories, but don't necessarily directly tie to each other, but nevertheless, um, they are there. And, um, I'm not sure if this is a one shot book or if this is like a one one of something because I didn't see too much about that. But it was a nice story, a couple of nice stories uh, that seem be coming a little late because if you, this was more, you know, closer to Valentine's Day, I could almost see why this book is happening. But there might be something tying to the the um, the ongoing book, or um, but I don't know that yet. Um, last book for myself is Clobbering Time number four of five. There we go. Uh, story and art by Steve Scroach or Scroche. Uh, color artist Brian Valenza. Letters by VCs Joseph Bino. This is actually a potential click of the week for me because if you're seeing the watching the video version, you're seeing the cover, and the team up is Ben and Doctor Doom, who uh, much to the chagrin of Ben. Because he gets saved by um, by Doctor Doom and has to work for, and I'm or I mean team up with Doctor Doom in between uh, multiversion incursion points, 
fix multiversal and current reports. But they're still looking for the the overall bad guy who shows himself at near the end of this. And there's a Watcher involved that's kind of been a a part of this the whole time, but now plays a more direct part. Um, and it's not the the Watcher that we know and love. It, no love. It's another one that just so happens to be swept up into this. So uh, this is all in service of getting to the last uh, uh, part of the, the the last issue of this book, where all everything kind of comes together, and there will either be a big fight or not. Also, Doctor Phil is probably is now in if if not already in the Marvel universe is in the the uh, Marvel universe because it was a Mar- Doctor Phil reference in here, and I was like, no, please don't do that, don't do this. But it's there, so now it's canon. Um, also, Doom has a pocket helicarrier, which of course he does, and his own Herbie. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, and why would he have all of that, which part of that doesn't get explained, but part of it does, you can check this book out. And that is um, that takes care of all of my books. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we did get... We did get one. No, we got two. Oh, that's right. He we did get two. Tim did say, "Mustard's a shock of uh, Agent 70 for 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 the one." Yes, yes. But uh, let's see. Dirt says that um, basically, he, uh, I'm not even going to go through what we said. But basically, he said Star Trek came out this week, and there you go. <laughs> so right. his so his uh, click uh, assumingly is uh Star Trek number nine. Because yep. not a surprise. Um Tim's click, however, is a surprise to Age of Seventy, and that is Captain America Cold War Omega number one. Right. Right. You know, I guess my biggest issue with the way Lance and Kelly and Onyabuchi are writing Sam Wilson is that all of a sudden he's on par with some of the deadliest fighters in the Marvel Universe. And Roddy Cat is willing to let that one slide. I'm not. I, I, no, because we we can talk. We've I feel like we've had that conversation, and we don't. Right, exactly. Right I'm just not right. That's why you know. That's why I'm like you know what. That's that's just my position on it. It's you know they 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 these things take time. But anyway, unless you're going to program them like Neo in the Matrix, right? Um, all of a sudden he's going to know kung fu. No, so. I, but that's just it, though. He's been Captain America's partner for years. He's and trained with him. He is. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Cap, but come on, he's had to pick up something. Now, yes, that whole T'Challa him fighting thing, but yeah, that's the whole thing. That's all I'm gonna say about that. But this issue has this this issue has him taking on the Winter Soldier. So survey says, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Anyway, I uh, I would have to read it, but I just, I will yeah I'll, right. I'll, I'll but but until that, then. that that specific <laughs> instance made me like oh seriously again with this. But anyway, so in terms of my click of the week, uh, you know the the one candidate that I mentioned was Captain Marvel number fifty, and there's something that I mentioned about this issue uh, earlier that I failed to mention in my quickie review of it, which is that there is an appearance by one Kamala Khan. And Kamala obviously has a very deep connection with Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Mm. You know, it's been written over uh, because of, you know, because of things. But at the end of the day, in the comic books, there is still a very tight connection. And, um, 
you know, it's it, it makes me sad to think of what Carol's reaction is going to be post Amazing Spider-Man number 25. Yeah, which so, we're likely to find out in that one shot book. Exactly. So, you know, uh, I, I'm going to go with Captain Marvel number 50 as my click of the week. But Black Panther number one is a very close second because I definitely liked the uh, I liked Eve Ewing's take on the new status quo. And Chris Allen does a very good job of portraying um, a, a slightly cartoony but still very much grounded in reality look at Birnin Tachaka like another city that's not the capital city in uh, Wakanda. So right. yeah, Black Panther number one would have been it if I didn't uh, want to give uh, Kelly Thompson and the creative team on Captain Marvel their flowers. Fair enough. Actually, you kind of saved me some work because, well, it is potential, and, and I'm still kind of mulling, mulling it over because I, I agree with you with what you said about Black Panther number one because that's definitely a, a potential for me and also the aforementioned uh, clobbering time because it was kind of a, a fun read uh, for a couple of different reasons. But, but also Star Trek number nine. So this is kind of a, and, and uh, actually Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, uh, Sana, Star Wars number five. And as much as I kind of hate to say it, um, Void Rivals number one also. But it's not necessarily for the story itself. It's what it's tying into. And that's, I, I can't, I mean, that's, that is a reason uh, and a, and I've, I guess some would say a fairly decent reason, but I don't know. I've, it's, I've I feel bad because part of it feels cheap, but it's not because, it, like I said, if you read the story, you can, you see what happens and how how things kind of fold in and out, it, which comes in organically for a story like that. So it's not cheap, but it kind of feels kind of cheap in a way, and I can't really put my finger on why. Um. So that being said. Um, I will probably just go ahead and go with Black Panther number five. I know some people will be like, yeah, we figured, but not really. Like I said, there was, there was a good bit this week that was kind of had me think about some things, like I said, including Void Rivals, which still does. So I would probably go with that Um, if Black Panther and... um. You know, Star Trek and, and Clubbing Time wasn't weren't as and and Sonosaurus weren't as good as they were. But definitely, yeah, like I said, if if you stick around for what we talk about later in the news, you'll understand what the 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 hubbub about Void Rivals will be going forward. And with that, actually, we are going to get into the news. But first, um, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko. Fun at first sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, Go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. 
And now we get into the news. Uh, we're going to try to blaze through this, which we are, because a lot of this is fun, but, you know, the, the show notes will be there. Uh, but it's some fun stuff in here. Start off with cinematic news, and actually, before we start off with that, I forgot to shout out Benji Games 2, who was in the chat for for a while. So, what up, Benji? Um, hope you're doing What's going well. on? All right, cinematic news. DC releases trailer for R-rated Justice League movie, and that is for Justice League War World which uh, the trailer is attached to the thing. I did not get a chance to, or I didn't take the chance to um, to watch it. But if you're watching the video version, you can see the trilogy of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman looks like they're either on World World or, or Apocalypse. I'm not sure, but I think that's probably World World, given the name of the movie. Nevertheless, uh, the trailer is also attached to this, and uh, this movie has a release date of July 25th, so... I haven't been keeping up with their animated projects lately, but um, I'll, I'll probably check it out. Next. James Gunn confirms that the upcoming Blue Beetle movie is the first DCU superhero. That is the first superhero to debut in the DC movie universe. Gunn recently sat down with the Inside of You podcast to, discover, take, to discuss taking over as co-chair and ceo of dc studios and writing slash directing the upcoming superhero film superman legacy it was during an exchange with host michael rosenbaum about the differences between the mcu and the dcu that gun revealed blue beetle as the first dcu character audiences will meet okay i don't know why that just reminded me of something but next up um the Flash director Andy Machete will hail, helm Batman film The Brave and the Bold. So the rumors from last week are actually true. Um, I don't know if Agent 70 would, uh, would, 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 was going to think about that. But nevertheless, uh, Brave and the Bold is going to be, like I said, a Batman and Robin movie uh, in the DCU. And that's pretty much all we know at this point. Next up. Uh, the Flash filmed three different endings. One with spoiler alert: Henry Cavill Superman. And as I said before, show not a big surprise. Yep, but you know, which one is the actual? What what is one is the actual ending, and what are the three? Issues? Hey, you can read it for yourself and find that out. Eight <laughs> to seventy knows, but he can't say anything. Well, he can, but exactly. I would say I'd say go ahead and spoil it. That's just me. I don't want to do that for everybody else because I don't care. Next up, though, speaking of the Flash, the opening weekend's box office is lower than Black Adam's opening weekend. Apparently, um, uh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Shout out to Eclectic DC stays losing. Yeah, the Scarlet uh, Criminal. I know what we need to do. We need to license him saying that so that we can play that as a sound effect. We got to contact E and say, hey, man, can we cut that and borrow that? 
I love that brother, but that would go to his head. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't need that. We both know this. Shout out to Eclectic. We, indeed, indeed. Um, but according to Deadline, though, the movie opened at uh, $55.1 million over three days and expected to reach $64 million for the four-day holiday weekend, of which this is, during its run of four, over 4,000 uh, theaters. Um, this is below the movie's projected earnings of seventy million to seventy-five million over its three-day, uh, three-day first three days in theaters. Uh, surprisingly, the movie, according to this article, made less than Black Adam during did during its opening weekend. So, again, bump bump it up. <laughs> Next up, Gotham Knights. Oh, this Price is Right sound effect is about to get some use. Gotham Knights was canceled after just one season on the CW. So uh, the cancellation is just the latest for uh, the network, which has been undergoing some major shifts since being sold to uh, Nexstar Media Group in late 2022. Uh, Let's see. And that's pretty much it. So, again... Indeed. Um, Blink. Come on. Superman and Lois uh, demotes seven cast members uh, to recurring roles in season four, which that shows on season four. Wow. Um, So, yeah, I'm not going to go through all of these names, but, yeah, there's a bunch of characters, uh, some of which you may know from um, uh, the the Superman universe, uh, apparently including Steel and Lana Lang. And um, Natasha Irons um, were a part of this joint. So, let's see. The goal is reported to have any of the cast members appear in the 10 uh, episode fourth season in reoccurring guest starring roles, depending on their availability, according to this article. So, there is that. Next. Thunderbolts, Blade, Avengers, Kang, Dynasty, Secret Wars, among Disney release date changes that have uh, come as a result of the Writers Guild of America strike. So, uh, because the scripts are not ready, Avengers Kang Dynasty, actually, Thunderbolt and Blade are waiting the strike out before rolling cameras. So their scripts are already done. Scripts are not fully ready in regards to Kang Dynasty, so it moves from May 2nd to 2025, um, from May 2nd, 2025, to May 1st, 2026, Secret Wars has been pushed another year from May 1st, 2026 to May 7th, 2027. So there are some delays uh, in in the works. Brave New World is getting pushed to July 26th, 2024. Uh, Deadpool 3 is actually moving up a little bit to November 8th, 2024. Thunderbolts is staying in 2024, going from July 26th to December 20th, 2024. And Blade is going from September 6, 2024 to February 14th, 2025. NFF goes even deeper in 2025 from February 14th to May 2nd. Which out of all of those, the one, the the movies that we hadn't heard too much about is Fantastic Four and Blade. But we don't think we've heard about, we've heard more about Blade than Fantastic Four because it's been having, you know, issues here and there. Um... Deadpool 3, I guess I'm, I'm not surprised by that, but why? <laughs> well, I guess that's the one that's probably close to being ready anyway. Uh, the closest to being ready because they've already been doing things. 
So, I guess. Uh, the Incredible Hulk smashes his way under Disney Plus, uh, or at Plus, as uh, Agent 70 would say. So, this is the Ed right. Norton Hulk, not the Ang, uh, Ang Lee uh, one. Uh, the, the one that uh, some would say has had kicked off the, the MCU. Um, Pretty much. Um, yeah. It helped because it came in the wake of Iron Man. Right. And also had the, the, uh, the end credit scene uh, that tied everything or that tied it to it. So, yeah, there is that. And it was all right. I mean, you know, I know people talk about the, the difficulties of Ed Norton uh, behind the scenes, but, it, you know, it was it was all right for what it was, I would say. Next up, though. Marvel, Spidey and his amazing friends thwips into a fourth season. Yay! I like Spidey and Amazing Friends and really? his amazing friends. Huh. I didn't know you had ever watched it. Fun. I've watched it because I have nieces and nephews who are of the correct age. Mm. So I'm very much happy about that. And I'm happy to see that, you know, there are other characters showing up um, on uh, Spidey and his amazing friends. It looks like there's a clip that has Iron Man in it. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, obviously a bummer for for me as a person of a certain uh certain vintage because that title invokes the previous version of uh spider-man and his amazing friends that uh, i mean it does for me also yes i know but um the, this particular version does not have the other two that would uh, right, right, that right. Would you know what that's right. just waiting they're waiting they're gonna make cameo appearances you know it so, but if they even if they did, I kind of wonder like who, of the, who would of the kids wouldn't even know, you know, their parents might of this age range. probably not. Yeah, exactly. You know, depending on how young they are. But I mean, I've seen uh, like a clip or two. It's like, yeah, it looks cute, but, but you know, obviously, of not for you know, <laughs> not for uh, f- folks of our old age. But it mm-hmm. is cute. I, I take that back. You know what? We got we got to get away from that. You like what you like. If this is the thing that's cute, because I've watched some stuff that's probably not from my age range and 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 have liked it. So yeah, like it if you like it, you know. But it's it's generally not made for folks of a certain age. Anyway, um, original documentary Stanley now streaming on Disney Plus. I watched it. Did you? Yes, it's not good. It's not bad. It's pretty good. So I I forgot to put it in the um the the, the lineup, which is probably just as well. I understand that um Kirby's son or grandson has has some yeah issues. of course he is because you know cranky right yeah has some issues with portrayal or something with uh with the Stanley with this uh, yeah I thought it was pretty fair handed the way they portrayed uh Lee probably taking a little too much credit mm-hmm. towards the end of his life for or in late in the later stages of his career for the creation of these characters because essentially he was a co-creator right but ultimately you know i thought they were pretty fair-handed when it came to the portrayal and right. how stan may be overstated things a little right and i mean and not the first time that criticism has been levied against him you know uh you know that folks like us would have heard anyway but um, right. I, I'm looking forward to checking this out because I've been I've been curious to to see how they handled it. So uh, definitely get on to the, to that when I get to it. Next up, next up, Star Wars movies are getting are getting new release dates. So Disney announced release dates for a number of upcoming films, as I said earlier, and that includes the next Star Wars movies. So um, 
a to-be-announced movie that is rumored to be a new Ray oh, Skywalker movie has been uh, delayed from December 2025 to May 2026. There is going to be a to-be-announced movie on December 18th, 2026, and another one a year later, December 17th, 2027, still to be announced. Yeah. And obviously, Strike, you know. Right. Well, some of it anyway, but not all, you know. Some of that stuff was just It's going to be, I was about to say, that's going to play a, a role in some scheduling going down the road as long as this uh, continues. It's hard right. to believe the strike's been going on for more than two a months. month now, right? Mm-hmm. Almost two months, yeah. Almost two months. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Give indeed. folks their money. Yeah, pay writers, bastards. We, we, oh, there's a story in a little bit that's going to get on a crawl. Anyway, New Tatooine-like explo- exoplanet discovered orbiting twin suns. Meet Bebop 1C, which Bebop just puts me in mind of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles character. But um, So yeah, this is not necessarily comic-related, but, well, it's... You know why. Come on. Uh, so yeah, apparently... Um, let's see. Da-da-da-da-da. There's a binary star that was, um, that was found by astronomers... Uh, that they see up to now, astronomers have confirmed the detection of uh, 14 circumbinary planets, one that whirls around both stars of binary planet once. This particular one that they ended up naming, uh, the the name that I already said, and apparently that you know this discovery kind of changes some things. Let's put it that way. You can read the article uh, to get into the weeds on that one. But hey, <laughs> Tatooine is real, apparently. <laughs> right. Next up. This amazing Star Trek box set's answer to how much Captain Picard do you want is basically yes. So it's due out later this year. The Picard Legacy Collection is about as definitive of Patrick Stewart Collection as you can currently get. So uh, it's a massive command red coded box set that collects basically every major appearance by Patrick Stewart across his tenure except presumably the first episode of Deep Space Nine, where he shows up to get yelled at by Cisco for being responsible for the death of his wife at Wolf 359. Um, let's see here. Yeah, there's a lot of Blu-ray stuff in here, movies and whatnot. I'm looking for the price. So the Picard Legacy Collection is set to release October 17th in the U.S. and then later in Europe. Uh, no price has been confirmed yet, but you're getting over 200 hours of Star Trek. It's going to cost you a couple of bars of gold-pressed latinum. Yeah. So obviously all of the seasons of Picard is going to be in here and uh, probably a good chunk, if not all of TNG and the movies, which makes that kind of weird. But I, right. I, I but I get it, I guess. So uh, anyway. Uh, Transformers animated movie hyped up by Scarlett Johansson, who's in it as a, a leader one, apparently. So an, another Marvel, um, <laughs> a, a, another Marvel uh, actor is in this as uh, opposed to the, the Chris Hemsworth that we already found out about. Uh, and apparently, I don't know if we knew this ahead of, she's not the only one joining this, but the only other one that we know of uh, from the Marvel side, because apparently Brian Tyree Henry is Megatron, which, Okay. Sure. That man's got a voice. He's all right. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key, you know, some might note him as, um, as um, Jefferson as, uh, in Spider-Verse movies, you know, or, you know, Paperboy. Anyway, um, 
Keegan Michael Key as Bumblebee, which sure, John Hamm is sitting on Prime, and Lawrence Fishburne as Alpha Tryon. So, you know, got some names in this uh, so far. Uh, and of course, the exit the F mentioned uh, Scarlett Johansson is a later one. So, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Next up. Uh, Babylon 5 movie footage reveals a first look at new animation style. So J. Michael Straczynski, Babylon 5's creator, shared footage from the upcoming animated movie Babylon 5, The Road Home, featuring original cast members. So he used his official Twitter account to share a 10-second clip of footage from the animated movie. Okay. Yeah, I didn't didn't watch this, but he's quite proud of it. So, which, you know, good on him, because I know fans of that show... Has been wanting something to happen with it, so this is the way this right. happens. Then so be it. Right. Uh, Mortal Kombat Two movie finds the perfect scary huge guy to to be Shao Kahn, and that uh, person is Martin British actor Martin Ford, who is a name that I'm not familiar with. But um, Ford will be joined by newly confirmed cast members Desmond Chiam as um, King Gerard, aka Katana's dad. Anna to Gwen as Queen Sindel and Damon Harriman as the as Quan Chi. Uh, if you know enough about MK, and this is not the only MK news that we will have, um, then those names mean something to you. But apparently, Ford is a hulking six foot eight inch bodybuilder and actor best known for role in Boyka Undisputed, which I don't know about that. He's described as being Bane like. And he was also in Fast Nine, so and uh, Kingsman: The Golden Circle. So there you go. Um, oh, this is Scott Scott Atkins movie. Um, okay, it makes sense. Next up, uh, Dead Cells animated series coming from Blood Dragon Anime Studios PlayStation Lifestyle. So I guess we are in Anime Corner. Kinda. Kinda. Yes. French animated streaming service ADN is teaming up with animation house Bobby Pills, a studio that describes itself as a team in Paris full of depressive, beautiful, effed up people making cartoons for depressive, beautiful, effed up people for the show. Bobby Pills is also behind the upcoming Far Cry 3, Blood Dragon anime, Captain Laserhawk, uh, Blood Dragon Remix that recently got a trailer at the Ubisoft Forward. All right, so this is like video game stuff too. Okay. Yes. Also, then the, if there is a another tie to this, uh, Avi Sh- uh, Adi Shankar, who was behind that um, Castlevania anime, is also producing this, and he was the one who presented the trailer for this because he's behind this as well. Got it. Um, Character photos for Netflix's live-action Avatar The Last Airbender series uh, has come up. So, yeah, more pictures of from that live-action Avatar The Last Airbender that I will probably watch, but none of those things have been all that great, especially where Netflix is concerned. So, uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see uh, Aang right there. And I think that's the... Oh, there's Asaka. Uh, so, the Katana, Katara, and, of course, Zuko. Uh, pictured so I don't know people seem to like it but I didn't uh, this is from that uh, to them Netflix is to them uh, uh, event that's been going on where they also uh, showed the next article and also that um, a trailer for Extraction 2 which I think already came out 
uh, on the 16th. Yes. It's starring uh, it's Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Netflix. Yeah, I hadn't watched. I've not about... watched it, but Neither yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both a... we're both thinking the same thing. Like we didn't get around to. It. I watched the Stan Lee thing instead of it. Right. Uh, I watched that first extraction. It was pretty good. So I'm gonna. Have to, I'll, I'll probably check it out with uh, old Chris. So anyway. Yeah, next. I mean, at the end of the day, tomorrow. I was about to say, in okay. observance of Juneteenth, a lot of us have tomorrow off, so that might be something to watch tomorrow sometime. Right. Got some time in your hands. Next up, though. Uh, what are we up to? One Piece. Mm-hmm. One Piece fans are hyped for Netflix series after the first trailer. Are they? So One Piece so will be making its live-action adaptation debut with Netflix later this summer, and fans are apparently hyped for what the new live-action series has to offer after checking out the first trailer. Okay. I have not seen such... One, I haven't seen this trailer. Two, I have not seen such hype, but I do know of one uh, One Piece fan, uh, so I will have to check out his Twitter and see what he thinks about it. Uh, and there are One Piece fans out there. I don't know. Why. I shouldn't say that. I don't know why. I do know why. There are a million One Piece fans out there. The and sadists who decided to jump into that gigantic morass mess of an <laughs> anime. I was about to say, yeah, and there's a million uh, episodes of One Piece. <laughs> so that checks out. Uh, more power to them, man. Indeed, indeed. Next up, though. Uh, Black Clover's movie poster gets romantic with Asta's surprise proposal. Uh, the, 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 the Black Clover fans have been, excuse me, Black Clover, Clover has been teasing fans about a potential romance for As, romance for Asta ever since he started proposing to Sister Lily when the manga and anime first began their runs. I know very little about Black Clover, so I, all of this is over me. Uh, Black Clover anime will soon be making its big return to screens around the world with the very first feature film. Um, although the TV anime made it, it ended on a big cliffhanger. Uh, Black Clover, Sword of the Wizard King, is offering a brand new story not seen in Yuki Tabata's original manga. So there is that. Um, there's um, uh, a picture from the, the 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 Twitter account for Black Clover official thing uh, account. So there you go for you fans of that. Next up. So, uh, let's see. So, Demon Slayer Season 3 reached its penultimate episode last week. And uh, it brought Mitsuri's, the, the Hashira, the love Hashira's love breathing style to life. And you can watch a clip here. And we've got some Demon Slayer stuff following in the next few stories. Take it away, Radicat. Indeed. Demon Slayer celebrates season three finale with Times Square Takeover, which happened uh, the day before we recorded um, in Times Square. I don't know if Agent 70 caught wind of any of that. No, but I saw pictures of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, of course, leading up to the uh, the um, season three finale, which happened, of course, on the day that we were recording at that agent. Seventy and I both watched right before the show separately. <laughs> right. Right. We literally watched because it because it dropped Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it happened to drop just in time for us to watch it before recording this movie protocol episode. So, slight spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, this is a longer episode, because I was kind of wondering, because it was like, it's episode 11, and usually uh, 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 an arc or would end in 13, and now I understand or why, because right, or it is, 12, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, it depends on the thing, uh, yeah. but, uh, and now we know why, <laughs> because it's an extra long episode, Um so yeah, uh, that happened today. Uh, there, so there's also another 
like a 360 version of uh, in the uh, clickbait section of the the takeover that you can watch. Uh, like I said, just go to the show notes and check it because I think this was just a little, a little clip from uh, things there. But there's a, long, a little longer video of what the, the what went on. Next up, yeah, that's pretty cool that they did that. I mean, I listen. You know, uh, pre-COVID Times Square obviously is one creature. Post-COVID Times Square is a little different. The tourists are definitely back. Um, it's, you know, it's it's a little less, you know, there, there's a lot more. Uh, uh, they're definitely a lot more uh, unhoused and maybe mentally ill folks running about. Um, you know, take that from a New Yorker that's on the streets, you know, Monday, maybe Monday through Thursday nowadays. Right. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes on the weekend. So, you know, it's a little different nowadays post pand or as the pandemic wanes. But it's still cool that they do stuff like this on the billboards of Times Square. Right. So and to celebrate something that, you know, a lot of people love. So, right. uh, namely, uh, you know, and in and and, and following that. Uh, train of thought demon slayer season four has been announced the next arc of demon slayer has been announced and that is the um uh looking for the title of it it's the sheer training i think um let's see yeah sheer training arc i believe i don't know if that's the it is a sheer yeah i was about to say i'm looking through the article it doesn't say but i definitely saw something uh on my socials that said it's the hashira training arc right so and, and the Rock Hashira is supposed to take uh, center stage. Can you smell what he's cooking? Yes, I, you know what? I was I was gonna come <laughs> up with something. So yeah, um, uh, and the, the the previous story, which I guess we kind of it, it makes sense. We felt went over because yeah, like I said, the 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 finale came and went, and fans are apparently loving it. I know I enjoyed I was, it, but I was, skipped over that by accident. But kind of not because yeah, at the end of the day, we talked about having. Right seen it and right. yeah there's a lot in it yes indeed including something that's on the side of this uh this uh um thing that has to do with a character um yeah and we talked about it before post show so we're not going to spoil what happens here because i know there's spoilers out there uh it's out hey yeah. come in we can, that that's just so irresponsible yeah but not people spoil. are but people are stupid and they you know yeah. we, we both know this but yeah, I, I will safely say that it, it 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 definitely got you in your feels, and it was it was a pretty good ending. Well, it was pretty good just all the way around, but it, yeah, the ending you know ended pretty well, I would say. But yeah, this yep. fourth season, um, I'm very much looking forward to it. But that's not a big surprise because <laughs> his team is layering; it's been pretty consistently good so far. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to get over into the manga section now. Right. You know what? I, you know what? You know okay. what I would what I would add. Okay. Sure. Is that this this the, the first part of this uh, uh, swordsmith village swordsmith village arc mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of the cutesy kawaii stuff in it, and they distinctly went away from that towards the end. They distinct like you, you could definitely tell they were not ever touching on that stuff. You know, they, you know, it was just very, very much dramatic towards the end. Yeah, I, I suspect they, they, they might touch upon it, but they probably just like, that's a shonen. We don't want to, you know, put too much on that, you know. Right. <laughs> so that's probably, you know, stands to reason. But I didn't mind it. It was fine. 
<laughs> and no, I, I mean, I, 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 I suspect that that was distinctly not around. No, no, I'm just saying you, you're. I, I agree with you. You are absolutely right. And like I said, because of the fact that this is shown, that's probably why they didn't. But also, I suspect they could probably. It'll probably come back up in spots. Like they don't. Right. They don't want to lean in on that kind of stuff. Of course. Of so. course. Um. But yeah, we're in the manga corner. I will say, check out the clickbait section because there are some stuff in there that might be a note, including that time, uh, that Demon Slayer Times Square takeover uh, video and uh, an honest trailer for the 90s Flash, if you are so inclined to check either one of those out. And if you're too young to remember what the 90s Flash was like, hey, you'll be in for a kind of a treat. Uh, next up, though. Alrighty. Um... I guess we'll finish up the uh, anime corner with uh, the three Mobile Suit Gundam movies are now showing oh, right. for free on the official Gundam YouTube channel. I forgot to put that in there. Yeah. So um, if you're kind of a fan of, of Mobile Suit Gundam by way of like Gundam Wing or something like that and never really checked out uh, Mobile Suit Gundam proper, there is a way for you to kind of circumvent some of it because it is the, the series itself is kind of lengthy. But there's three movies out there that kind of take you through the Cliff Notes version of what happened in the story. Uh, and then you can go from there. I did the crazy thing. I remember watching these three, not recently, but the, watching the three movies and going back and watching the actual series, which I can't remember how many episodes it is. But like I said, it's, it's upwards of like 56 or something like that. I can't remember. So you got to see the finer points <laughs> as well as what the, you know, as what the, what they focused on. So that was sure. interesting to me. So if, like I said, if you have some interest, you can check those out and kind of like, all right, this is the Mobile Suit Gundam story. This is where it all started. In a nutshell. Uh, but now we get into the uh, manga uh, corner. So here's a big bummer. Blackjack gets an AI manga. If we talked about paying writers and now this company wants to do this, but uh, Osama Tezuka's classic Blackjack series is getting a new manga co-produced by Tezuka, Tezuka Productions and Artificial AI. Uh, excuse me, Artificial Intelligence, aka AI. Y'all know that already. Uh, the new AI manga will launch in Akita Shoten's weekly Shonen Champion magazine this fall as a part of the uh, Tezuka 2023 project and to commemorate Blackjack's 50th anniversary. Just fire up, hire a writer. God damn it. When Skynet comes, y'all are going to be mad that stuff like this and it's going to be your fault. But also, pay your fucking writers. Pay some writers. Anyway, next up. Yeah. He chose one. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? All right, so uh, Sandland is a new adventure game based on a manga by Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama. In the middle of this year's Summer Game Fest, Jeff Keighley teased a new game with characters from storied manga artist, and he wasn't kidding. Sandland is a new adventure game from Bandai Namco featuring character design from Akira Toriyama, the man who gave us Dragon Ball. Um, the art of the Dragon Quest series, the characters of Chrono Trigger, not to mention countless more manga titles. Sandland was initially a short manga series written back in 2000 by Toriyama. Now it's a game. Okay. Yeah, this was actually one of the few actual surprises from Summer Games Fest, or of the of the bigger stuff, anyway. Um, so I'm like, huh, that's weird. 
Uh, DC Dual Force cancels Beta Weekend, which, so I, I put this in here partially because one, it's a game stuff and you know me. Two, that Beta Weekend was this weekend and they canceled it because they were having issues with people not being able to get in. And I should know because one of those people who had a beta key trying to get in. Um, so DC Dual Force is a, um, a, a card-based game. Um, seemingly not unlike the... Actually, I'm not entirely sure because it's kind of... All I know is I, I got a beta key in my, um, in my inbox and either forgot that I had signed up for this or somebody signed me up for this. I don't know. Either way. Um, but yeah, because of the problems, they canceled the, the last couple of days, which realistically... They only had the the betas up for like four hours a day, so that was that was a whole other thing, which kind of I, I did kind of hard to get into when it's four hours a day and you're kind of busy during those times. Uh, but apparently, the the beta keys that people got for this uh, beta will be used in the next one whenever they uh, whenever they call it whenever they share news of it. So that's good news because of the fact that people couldn't get in. Um, but yeah, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about it. Maybe I'll even stream it the next, during the next beta if I can get in. Because so, it looks interesting. So uh, what kind of game is it? It's a card-based game. It's kind of almost... It looks to be kind of Magic the Gathering-ish or Hearthstone-ish, I guess, more closely. Which, you know, you're card battling with, you know, uh, 1v1. And it looks like there's a... There may be a PvE component, which I guess you got a campaign where you're right. battling with cards. I was about to say you you got to, you went to see John Wick Four, right? I did. Did you uh, remember in the uh, the the honest trailer, John oh. Wick Four's version of playing Magic? Yes, yes, yes. I do remember that right before we got to the part that I did know. Yes. As soon as exactly. you said that, I, that, that's what popped into my brain. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> like, you know what? Next. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Next up. Next up. Mortal Kombat 1 cameo gameplay showcased in su- new Summer Game Fest trailer. So Mortal Kombat 1 looks as absurdly violent as you'd hope, as brand new extended gameplay today showed some absolutely gruesome fatalities one after another, and characters such as Liu Kang, Sub-Zero, Scorpion, and Raiden showcased. Is this going to be a... So this is a reboot of the Mortal Kombat timeline, Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess, you know, I still haven't found a reason to get a PS5, Mm. so... I don't know. Maybe I'll get a gaming PC because all the gamers are like, you got to get a gaming PC, man. I mean, if you're so inclined, you could do multiple things with it. But, you know, so that's up to you. But, yeah, so this right. is a, definitely a timeline reboot for the franchise. Luke Kane is now in the place of Raiden as the god of the universe. So that's okay. Yeah, so that part's kind of funny. Um, uh, and uh, for those in the know, obviously... Mortal Kombat Netherrealm also did Injustice, which is the DC fighting game, and you know, uh, DC fighting game that some Mortal Kombat characters kind of came in with. There's some Injustice in this, and it kind of makes me want. I'm not the biggest MK fan, but from what they showed of the gameplay, um, and the parts that look kind of like Injustice, which makes sense, kind of makes me want to play this thing. So, check it out if you're interested. Uh, I know the fighting game community is. <laughs> Next up, um, excuse me, watch Star Trek Infinite uh, gameplay trailer reveal, which the details has details for the grand strategy game. So, yeah, this is another thing from um, Summer Games Fest. Um, also, another surprise. 
this is um, a real-time strategy game set in the Star Trek universe, from what I could gather, made by Paradox uh, Direction, Actorif, who was known for doing stuff like that. And the trailer that I saw didn't really give much on it, and I don't know if this is the same trailer that, I, that was at the Summer Games Fest, or this is a more in-depth one. But if it is, I'm slightly curious, but also frightened of it because <laughs> those those rts games are kind of can be a bit much but one said in star trek universe might be kind of interesting so we'll see what happens with that next up though star wars outlaws is a new open world star wars game from ubisoft that's coming out in 2024 so open world who you get to play as doesn't say uh k vess uh, who is a new character, uh, and it's set between Empire and uh, Return of the Jedi. Got it. So yeah, there is. Uh, I I hadn't seen. I, I watched that uh, trailer. Um, I hadn't seen anybody of known note in this, so they're probably keeping it low. Well, actually, I take it back. I think you see Han Solo's carbonite carbonite uh, casket body flesh thing uh, in the trailer, but I didn't catch that. So, but it looks good regardless. So I, I will definitely be checking that out when that happens. Um, Marvel Snap introduces uh, Conquest Mode as a new feature in the game. I believe that it has already come out this past week. So it's a new mode. I'm not too, entirely sure what's going on with it because I didn't read too much on it. But as the name might uh, imply, I guess you got kind of goals to kind of build up to, or you're you're building up wins. Um, up to a certain point and you get you know you get stuff for it um for going through it uh, that's pretty much it looks like i had to go through go through this article uh, a little bit more and then look at it but um the single loss of elimination so if you are familiar with how that goes you can't mess around <laughs> next up all righty give me a moment i have to open this story. i oh. love this news what's that i said i love this news all right, so chugga chugga chugga. So what are we up to? Snap? Oh no, no, no you did this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Avengers Inc. Wasp is going to lead a new team in solving mysteries and avenging murders. Uh, taking that Avengers name very seriously. So um, this is waiting for this to load because apparently it reloaded just now. So this is a series from Al Ewing and Leonard Kirk launching this September. And uh, let's see. Uh, I'm looking to see if who else is going to be on the roster at the beginning. Yeah, I can tell you. Victor Shade. Looks like Victor Shade. I was about to say, it mm-hmm. looks like it's Victor Shade, the uh, alter ego of One Vision. Mm-hmm. So them two kind of going around solving crimes. So this comes out of Al Ewing's uh, Wasp uh, miniseries that just ended. And at the end of that kind of set this up. Because, and I can tell you, well, I, I can say who the, the, fir- the first moves to the console, but I won't, even though that's been like a while back. Some people are liking this to X-Factor or later X-Factor uh, series, which, sure. <laughs> But um, I was kind of curious to see what uh, what Jam was getting into after that, after that thing ended. So I guess we'll find out with this. And it's Al Ewing, so that's a that's a double 
uh, a double plus. Uh, next up, though, Scarlet Witch. Uh, come on, Scarlet Witch number six's first look pits Wanda against her son Wiccan. Um, so yeah, apparently, uh, Ganymede, an enemy of the Kree Scroll Empire, seeks Wanda's help in avenging her fallen sisterhood, which puts her, you know, in in the line of her son and uh, uh, I guess son-in-law. Um. Uh, with Teddy, I could, I'm not sure if they they did probably get married, so I guess that's true. Um, but yeah, we got a preview here, and that book comes out soon-ish. It doesn't say it doesn't say here when, but I think that might be the next issue if we're getting previews already. Next up, Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Skeeti's GODS descend onto the X-Men's Hellfire Gala. You can check out an all-new variant cover for X-Men's Hellfire Gala number one in July by artist Valerio Skeeti that features characters from the upcoming series God's GODS. Yeah. I was going to make a Wu-Tang joke here, but I don't know. It seems weird. Um, but yeah, you can see the, the cover right there. Don't know those people. Um, hell, speaking of the Hellfire Gala, Hellfire Gala 2023, number one, sets the stage for Cohen High Fashion, Drama, and The Fall of X. So there's a new trailer for the for the Hell Gala, uh, Hellfire Gala, which uh, apparently has Nimrod and some Stark Sentinels crash the party. And of course, I, <laughs> I, I suspect the way that sounds, maybe some Red Wedding shenanigans going on. Uh... But that's me speculating. So, and that uh, do we have a date for that? I think we do. Yeah, uh, July twenty sixth is when that's going to happen. So look forward to us to talking about that then. Next up, Silver Surfer helps the son of Captain Marvel live up to his legacy in a new series by Ron Martz and Ron Lim. So that is the old creative team. Uh, the former creative team on the Silver Surfer in the 90s. So it's pretty fun to see that team reunite mm-hmm. to uh, tell new stories of the Silver Surfer. And now he's going to be dealing with um, uh, what's his face? It's not Novar. It's, it's, it's Janice, right? Janice Vale, yes. Yeah, it's Janice Vale. Yep. Yeah. Which is not the first time, but of recent note. But you know, I guess sure. Um, yeah, I didn't actually. I need to. I, read that I love it in the uh, in the article. Uh, uh, Martz is like, I can't say no to, to the Silver Surfer. I can't say no to Ron Lim. So here we go again. You know what? Fair. Also, every time I see Ron Lim's name, I think Rom, as in Space Knight. Oh goodness! I don't know why. Well, I mean, obviously, no, you know why. You take it the whole middle section. But anyway, um, Captain Marvel dons a new costume for a new run by Alyssa Wong and Jan Bazeldua. Uh So Captain Marvel number one will mark a revolutionary shift, according to Marvel.com's article, uh, for the iconic cosmic hero as she gets a glow up courtesy of superstar artist Jen Bartel. Bartel's recent Hellfire Gala design for Carol was a hit with fans. No surprise there. And uh, now she's seek, she's delivered a sleeker, modified version of Carol's for Carol's new journey. Um, so yeah, we got there's a creative team for the new ongoing. Uh, here's the new duds in the 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 cover. 
I like uh, it. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's I like it because, you know, what's funny is that we had a conversation about a costume design earlier with the Black mm-hmm. Panther. This is still a little bit complex for artists to reproduce panel to panel, but it is still very sleek. And other than that kind of ribbon thing would be very easy uh, to draw panel to panel, I think. Right. That absolutely. ribbon thing is, is just a little, I guess it, it, it allows for flowy to, it allows for flow and speed and to, to be to drawn. Right. And calls back to the sash. Exactly. Exactly. That's definitely a callback. You, you, you definitely took the words out of my mouth when, mm-hmm. when you mentioned that it's a callback to the sash. So, but ultimately, you know, like I'm thinking strictly from a design and art standpoint, uh, that's still how I look at a lot of comic costume designs. So, um, I definitely see how uh, they can use that and adapt that to to make it like a like a pseudo speed line, as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 sh- to show and exaggerate movement. So, in any event, that's pretty cool. Uh, I like that design. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Jen Jen Bartel's art is usually pretty, you know, pretty great. So this is you know this is pretty good. There's part of me, and this is going to sound like a joke kind of looks marching bandish with the the vest jacket thing. Mhm. But like it's still a good look and she's losing the uh the jumpsuit which, you know, I'm sure cosplayers are go crazy for this regardless. And so, you know, I mean, they go crazy for anything that's different and a little bit e- and, and still easy to replicate. Right. Well, I was about to say just the car the caracor in general is is right. out there, so they're just going to eat it up. And yeah, like you said. Next up though, uh, first look at Blade number one from Marvel Comics. So, uh, this is going to be by Brian Hill, former guest of the Compo Chronicles, and Alina Casagrande on sale this July 19th. So, so take a look at this article and you'll see a few images from that new issue. Right. That so, new the launch. The Alina Casagrande is, is kind of making me excited because, uh, her run on uh, Black Widow. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to say knowing Brian, Brian Edward Hill or Brian Hill is, is he short too, I guess. But um, I, I suspect there's going to be some some interesting panels being done. Definitely. So they're, they're going to work up. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, some sad news. I hate that I got the sad news, but, you know, somebody mm-hmm. has to take it. Uh, we lost a legend, folks. John Romita Sr., legendary comic artist, passed away at 93. Lived a long, you know, fruitful life. So, you know, y- you can't take that away from him. But, you know, nevertheless, it's, it's still sad. Um, and actually, of course, as things do, people have outpouring, including from his son, you know, outpouring of... Um, uh, well, his son announced it on Twitter. Right. But there's yeah. been condolences from from other folks in, in the in and around the industry, um, and of course sometimes a little bit of dirt, um, or I guess tea, as as the, as the as the kids would say, because you know there's been something like yeah, which I think came out so it was like yeah, Jr. Senior was the art director, but didn't get paid for, you know, for 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 that job. Uh, right, it's coming, and other things which I'm not going to mention. But you know, nevertheless, celebrate the the man's life and art, which again, iconic. You know, definitely, definitely. I met him twice. Excellent mm-hmm. person. Got his autograph a couple times on a couple different things. So, very, very cool guy. 
uh, when I met him. Right. You can see one particular page, of course, was is a, is a, a legendary, very legendary page of when um, Peter met Mary Jane. Yep. Yep. You know, face it, Tiger. Come on, guys. We all know that panel. Yep. And and a few more. Of course, the Spider Man No More, uh, throwing the suit in the dumpster pan, uh, panel. Some good stuff. Just to, just to name a few. So, um, next up though. Uh, Wonder Woman number one covers have been revealed by DC. So the dawn of DC Initiative is providing a new status quo to a wide crop of heroes and villains. And that includes the Princess of Themyscira. So Tom King and Daniel Sampere or Sampere would be working on a new one. Well, we'll be working on this new Wonder Woman ongoing series. And uh, we have uh, an exclusive look at the covers for one, number one which will be released on Tuesday, September 19th. Yeah, I'm scrolling through them as we speak. Some some nice-looking stuff. That one's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I think she had a... Uh, yeah. There's a variant cover, cover of her on a kangaroo, which I think might be her kangaroo if... Something. Anyway, let's scroll through the rest of these real quick. Uh, and there's a lot of them, so I, there we go. Stop right there. Next up, though, uh, Batman and Robin's new series unites Gotham's monster villains. Um, so, yeah, it says here, Batman and Robin number one, written by Joshua Williamson and Simone DeMeo, um, along with covers by um, Stan Artjorn Lau, uh, Kyle uh, Gyu, and Clay Mann. So, according to this issue solicitation, which I did not know solicitations are out, so maybe I should check that out. Uh, it says here that the hero's most monstrous rogues are teaming up in, a new, in the series, and artwork available indicates uh, that this roster will include Killer Croc, Man Bat, Orca, and White Rabbit, according to this article. The series will also introduce a new revenge-fueled villain with a plot to turn one of Batman's greatest assets against him. So it's wealth. What are we talking here? Um, anyway, that's that. Next up. So uh, in more sad news, cartoonist Ian McGinty passed away at the tragically young age of 38. Jesus. Last mm. week, according to his obituary, he died of natural causes. But as they mourned him, friends and colleagues pointed out that McGinty's lifestyle, like that of many artists, was one of overwork and underpay which led to a Twitter hashtag, hashtag comics broke me introduced in a tweet from Eisner and Ignatz winning cartoonist Shivana Sukdio. Yikes. Yeah. Anytime, um, a, a lot of stuff comes out, you know, you, you, you get, you get the of the situation, even if you didn't already know it or, or have seen some parts of it, you know, but, just general folks don't necessarily get to see that part or don't mm. see that part, I guess, one way or the other. And just then there's those other fools and assholes that were on the other side of this, which we won't get into. Um, it's more sad news, though. Uh, there's a gun, uh, a GoFundMe set up for Peter David, who just uh, underwent uh, another surgery or a surgery, I believe. Like, uh, no, he says another. OK, wait. Uh, he has some compound health 
problems and the bills are piling up according to the GoFundMe page. On top of kidney failure and steep medical bills incurred from that, he just had another series of strokes and a mild heart attack. Um, so yeah, this is a, um, a GoFundMe set up uh, by... Uh, I'm not sure who it is, but his wife is the uh, beneficiary, and you can check that out uh, on the show notes. Peter David, prolific writer. You know, we, we, we've talked about some of his stuff in the past. You know, yes, uh, a lot of his stuff, and you know, if you can give, definitely give, man. Wow, damn, Todd Knock. Um, anyway, let me stop. Uh, but yeah, so you can see people's. If you're watching a video version, you can see people's donations. Some some donations. Give if you the can, Todd, like I said. The Todd Knock donate? Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay, good. Some. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, next up. All right, next up. Embracer Group's run of acquisitions may have finally come to an end. This week, the Swedish video game and media holding company, which has made countless headlines, buying up everything from the IP rights to Lord of the Rings to the studios behind Tomb Raider, Dave's X, and Borderlands, announced it would be restructuring in an attempt to make itself a leaner, stronger, and more focused, self-sufficient company. So we all know what that means. Cuts, 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 cuts. And speaking uh, of which, take the next one. Uh... Okay, Dark Horse parent company, the Embracer Group, restructures and plans layoffs. So, of course, it's going to hit the comic book industry as well as some of the other entertainment holdings the Embracer Group has. So, uh, Dark Horse was purchased by Embracer Group in early 2022. Yeah, Embracer Group is an interesting thing. Like, they bought up a whole bunch of shit, uh, especially in the video game realm. And, and, of course, Dark Horse and a couple other things. So, I guess it was bound to happen that they, they flew too high. I mean, a lot of this stuff takes time to produce. That's the thing. Like, right. it's hard to, you know, like if, if if you have one or two things that don't pan out and if that Lord of the Rings Amazon show came out to, like, lukewarm reception, then, you know, that's fine. You know, it's still coming out for, you know, I think there's still enough goodwill towards it to see a season two. They just can't, you know... I'm not sure what they're planning on in terms of um, revenue streams. Yeah, I don't know, but the but Embracer Group was just buying a lot of stuff. Like you could you hear about stuff like every other day that it was just buying. So that's that's why I was saying they they, they flew a little too high, uh, right? Because like you said, things kind of take time. So I think they didn't. I don't know whether they. Yeah, I don't know what kind of timeline they're on. That's that's, they, what it, that's what it comes down to. Right, whether they kind of took that into account when they started buying stuff up. Um, so right, kinda, like what? Yeah, what are their expectations? That's really exactly. kind of what you know what what we're questioning here. Right, which was the other reason why I wanted to talk to talk to Matt because I feel like he would possibly know some, not necessarily inside of what they're doing, but might have some insight as to certain things. But um, we might have to ask him outside of that um next up though uh hasbro has secretly relaunched and actually this is perfect that i got this one because it harkens back to a, a previous conversation um hasbro has secretly relaunched transformers and gi joe into its own universe orchestrated by robert kirkman so if you remember me talking earlier about void rivals this is what i was referencing now there's that being said one of those uh franchises 
definitely gets uh definitely shows up in that first issue of Void Raptors. The other, I don't know, uh I did not see anything overt about it. But uh at the end of that particular book, you see a uh page that um um that talks about books that are coming out. Um uh, uh, near the end of the year, that would be uh, an Optimus Prime book, a Duke book, a Duke book. I believe there's a Scarlet book, um, and I think, oh uh, yeah, and a Cobra Commander book also coming. So, and a, oh, it looks like we do have some of the um, some of the creative teams here, but um, and I know I've seen a list of some of that stuff. I won't necessarily go through it here, but because this, but. Um, Oh, I guess I could take this, this last part of it because it's in here. So, Larry Hama, if you're wondering uh, about the end of that last run of G.I. Joe, uh, Real American Hero, which apparently did actually end on a cliffhanger in uh, with issue 300, you will be happy yep. to know that uh, Larry Hama is continuing on with 301, despite um, you know having health issues of his own and whatnot. But he's coming back uh, this uh, November with uh, Real American Hero 301. Picking up right where he left, where, where the last run left off, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, look. Um, that being said, though, I think what Joshua says here that Joshua Williamson is writing a um, a miniseries. Uh, let's see the Duke books. Oh wait, yeah. So one is the Duke uh, book with the artist Tom Riley and January's Corporate Commander miniseries with uh, art by Andrea Milana. Uh, I think there was another book because there was uh, the Duke book, the Cobra Commander book, and the Optimus Prime book, and I'm not sure. Oh yeah, Daniel Warren Johnson is doing the uh, uh, Transformers book. Hang on. Oh wait, I thought it was the Optimus Prime book. Cause it's, it's, okay, so this is Transformers book, simply titled Transformers, written by Daniel Warren Johnson, and that's coming out this October. But it centers around Optimus Optimus Prime naturally but i could have sworn there was another optimus prime book that was coming out but that might be this one um and this article pretty much kind of spoils uh what happens in void uh void uh rivals but i will not again because it just came out this past week but if you want me to <laughs> I-, I can spoil it next week hmm. um so yeah, that's pretty much that. And like I said, the, the last article was pretty much the, the G.I. Joe Real Maker Hero move news. So that is the news, folks. Um, you know, like I said, some fun stuff in there. That whole Void Rivals thing is a whole thing. Oh, and it's called the universe is called the Energon Universe. I, I guess that's the whole shared universe thing. That's the only thing I didn't say from this, but that's been floating out there. Um. Is that where G.I. Joe comes in on this? Don't know. I just kind of spoiled it, but not really. Because you still don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, with that, that is the end of the news. And I believe Agent 70 has a, um, <clears throat> a little show and tell for Toy Corner. Yeah, it's a little Toy Corner this week. Folks, I'm going to turn off my virtual background just for a minute. Actually, I have something, too, I can and, show. But. Uh, Talk about how, yeah, I, I did rehang that uh, that Fantastic Four poster behind me for for a little bit. I'm going to be redoing the wall probably shortly this summer sometime. Um, but I did get the Into the Spider-Verse, the Across the Spider-Verse, that is, um, 
Spider Gwen, re, not kind of re, not revamp, but like updating, and it's actually pretty cool. I like it. You know, it's uh, it's a uh, I, I like the uh, the fact that the design really has just been slightly modernized. I'm not a fan of the tiny feet and the tiny ankles, which seem you know, which make it look fragile. But uh, I really am a fan of the design of this figure. I like the head sculpt. I like the facial. Um, I like the face uh, printing, and I like the mask as well. I'm holding it right up to the camera, folks, right up to the ring light, so you can see with very good detail on my camera what this figure looks like. <laughs> so yeah. make sure you tune in once in a while to the YouTube uh, stream so that you can see what our show looks like and uh, you know some of the things that we show visually here on the Comic Book Chronicles. Yeah. Um, and for myself... Just really, really quickly. I'm not turning off my virtual thing because it's a holy hell mess back here. Um, I got a Funko Pop, but not just any Funko Pop. George Clinton. It's not comic based, but nevertheless, <laughs> it's it's you know, the funk is with you. There it is. Uh, but that's it. I got another little toy down here, but that's not necessarily. I'll, I'll tell Agent Seven about that after the show because it's neither related to either thing. Maybe music, but regardless. Um, how about hit me with one last ad read? Come on, you know what our last ad read is when we've, we're two and two hours and change in. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends like I did with this Spider-Verse Gwen. Um, Spider-Gwen. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN uh, payment... It helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today! Um, if it's not apparent, we are never calling her Ghost Spider. Ever. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've called her Ghost Spider because they've used it in the comics before. Well, yeah, it's the name of the, it's the, name of the title. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> But we've never actually called her Gold Spider as in, refer, in reference to her. Right, 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 right. That I agree with. Yes. All right, folks. That is the end of this here show for tonight. It was it was jam packed with goodness and some. I'm not gonna say badness. That's just debatable. Depending on how you feel about the Flash. Um, ah. uh, the Scarlet Criminal is out there, so you can go check them out for yourself. But maybe you know, you know save your money for something actually worthwhile. I don't know. That's just off of me not seeing it. Um, but you do you. Uh, don't think we have anything coming up anytime soon, like I said earlier. So we're just going to say that I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at NewsNotes Nino on Twitter. Find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, and uh, popculturenet.com is all the number sites there in. Tim, D O G G 98 uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, v Click Nation on Twitter, that's T H E K L I Q N A T L N. 
Uh, also, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. Uh, I think I said theclicknation.com. But also, and most definitely, you can find Homeboy over at comicbook.com uh, under the name Timothy Adams, writing his face off. Go check out the man's work. Click, click, and click, and read. Read and click. All that kind of good stuff. You can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. Hey, a little homework. If you are so inclined as to, to wonder where that name come from and you don't already know where it comes from, maybe go check out um, uh, the G.I. Joe channel, Hasbro's G.I. Joe channel, and watch the episode Cold Slither. You'll, you'll be joining us soon, but also you'll understand. You'll be uh, playing our tune soon, too. Exactly. Um, uh, you can find us on your podcast personal places of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us five-star positive reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also find us re- uh, recording mostly every Thursday night, and we definitely will be next week. Uh, on the YouTube channel of the Click Nation, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and hit the notification button so that you know when we are, uh, are live online recording and broadcasting. I keep threatening to actually stream some comic book based games on that channel, and I am going to make good on that sometime, hopefully soon. I got some definitely good there it is to do. Um, and with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Almost over, y'all. Yeah. I really stand. Uh, uh, uh. Nice out, man.